What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. we go baby it is a friday that is derek gunn that handsome face is derek gunn oh stop it just like you wrote it i am rob ellis hanging out with you on this seven seven it is seven seven derek it's got to be good seven, luck seven. capacity right seven seven twenty three listen you, good? You, have, you have more pep in your voice today must be friday more pep, more in my pep step. In your step yeah. voice is more energetic it's got to be Friday. I'm ready, man. I am ready. It is Friday. Yes, and we get to hang out with you. 12.30, we have Matt Lombardo from Heavy On Sports. We are going to do a deep dive, Gunner, into the NFC East. We are going to look at the Eagles, certainly, but we're going to look at their neighbors. We're going to look at the Cowboys and the Giants and the Commanders and dive into that and exactly how difficult this division is going to be because, let's face it, it was one of the better divisions last year, that's for sure, yep. and I think it sets up to be a really good division again. thing is, there's – there's a lot of good divisions in football, you know, and know. We've, we've looked at this like the AFC East, nasty AFC North, nasty West has the potential to be nasty. If the Broncos bounce back, which I think they're yep. going to, you know, I, I would say the A it's certainly AFC heavy, but the NFC East can certainly hold its own with any of those divisions. I, I would say this, I would say the NFC South is the weak link, but it's so intriguing because Atlanta loaded up on defense. New Orleans has Derek Carr. Carolina has the number one pick. Bryce Young is going to be starting from in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, we keep saying Tampa Bay is a hot mess. You know, I, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan, but he is throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, he still has wideouts. There's no yeah, doubt about that. It's going to be, uh, can he, is he protected enough? Can they? Will they attempt to run the ball? You know, that's something they didn't even try and do last year, Derek. It was ridiculous. Yeah, their running game sucked because the offensive line was uh, putrid. But yep. what will Todd Bowles do with that defense? The defense was the bread and butter for that team for years. What will he do with that defense? He's a good defensive coordinator. You know, we've always had our question marks about him as a head coach. But he is a good defensive coordinator, and this is his defense, and he's definitely on the hot seat this year. Yeah, Fair or unfair, he's on the hot seat this year. 
Green Bay is a huge question mark. I mean, mm-hmm. we 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 believe that Detroit and Minnesota are going to be neck and neck in terms of the race for the division title. But what's Green Bay going to look like? How improved is Justin Fields in Chicago now that Justin has a number one receiver? You know, can yeah. Chase Claypool get his head on straight in Chicago and be a legit player that everybody thinks he can be? You know, there's so much in. You know, you're right. The AFC is going to be knocked down, drag out every division. Although. I'm still not sold on the AFC South. Other than Jacksonville, I don't like the AFC South. I like Jacksonville. I, I think I think Indy will be improved with Shane Steichen. A lot of that is how good is Anthony Richardson. But I I, I, I think I think Shane will get them on the right road. I do. But I mean, when you look at it, but you look at the AFC, there is four, eight, twelve, thirteen legitimate teams in the AFC, and I'm and I'm including Cleveland in this. Yes, I am too. Uh, thirteen teams that you can utter the word playoff next to right now. Yep. And, and look, the quarterback play is not even close. I mean, if you, if you look at the NFC, Woo. it's Jalen hurts, you know, all right. So you could argue Dak, you could argue Kirk cousins, Mr. You know, Mr. Regular season, regular season. You could argue. Yeah. Derek Carr certainly has been a quality quarterback over his career. No doubt. Um, and you know, what does Stafford look like? coming back off yet another injury uh does Gino have the same kind of year he had last year do, do any of the Niners guys are they ready are they really ready um you know and, and what is Jordan Love right so we sit here and I should say Daniel Jones too but but you compare that to the other conference when you're talking Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson you know and and Russell Wilson, if we assume he's going to bounce back, and Mahomes and Herbert, it's not even close. And and Lawrence, it's not even close. It's just amazing how the AFC has cornered the market on all the, the big quarterbacks compared to the NFC. How did the AFC get so far ahead of the NFC quarterback-wise? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you're right. When you stack up all the AFC quarterbacks, and I, I would – you know what? How would you stack up Ryan Tannehill to most of the NFC quarterbacks? I, mean, I, I would say Tannehill would fall after Hertz, Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Cousins, Carr. You know what? You know, we didn't give any love to who Jared Goff had a great year last year. Yes, he did. I'd he put did. Tannehill behind Jared Goff for sure. I agree. I agree. Derek, I'd but probably have him in that like in the mid range 10 ish. Yeah, 10, 10 ish, uh, 12. 10 ish. Wait, let's see. Philadelphia, Dallas, Minnesota, Detroit. That's four. Uh, I'd Gino, put Derek Carr ahead of him. New Orleans is six. I I would put um, Geno Smith ahead of him. I did. I, inc- I included Geno. Oh, okay, okay. So that's six. I I would put. Uh, I'd still put Stafford ahead of him. Seven. Okay. So Where he's Daniel Jones. Where, where does Daniel Jones belong? Ah, see, to me, Daniel Jones is in a better situation than Ryan Tannehill. But is he a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill? I would right now, if you're asking me right now, I would go slight lean to Jones. I, I don't love either, but I would go slight lean to Jones. So I, I maybe he's eight or nine, Tannehill, in the NFC. I think when it comes to those two, for me, it's flavor of the day. You know, I yeah. may tell you one thing one day and like the other guy the next day. Yeah. yeah those two. But Ryan Tannehill, who's at the bottom of the pecking order in the AFC, is like mid-range in the NFC. Yeah. It's- yeah, they're – the, the NFC, there's a big drop-off after you get past the, you know, Hurts and a couple of the big boys. There, oh there's goodness. a big drop-off there. 
Oh, there's no question. There's no question about it. it. Just it just amazes me how the AFC um, has moved so far ahead in terms of marquee talent and quarterbacks. And to think Derek Carr was in that bunch up until this year. You know, right? Exactly. I, by the way, I, I let me let me say hi to everybody. What's up, Chris D? What is up, Tyler? What's up, Twiz? Uh, Mr. Taz, JM. There's our girl, Fitness Rebel, uh, Forrest. Uh, I think it's. I think I got everybody. We appreciate you guys hanging out. What is the shirt? You got the Munster shirt on? Is that what, is that what we're doing? We got the Munsters today, baby. I got my guy Herman. You got Herman and Lily and Grandpa and Grandpa. Oh yeah, Eddie. Got them all. <laughs> who was the Who was the daughter? Was the only normal one? What, what was her name? Uh, Bugsley. Bugsley. No, that's that's the Adams family. Well, that's the Adams daughter. Um, oh God. Wait. I can't think. Marilyn, Marilyn, Marilyn. Was it Marilyn? I think it was Marilyn. Yeah. What's are up, senior with football? Are you, are you making up names, dude? Eddie was the son. Herman was the was the father. Lily was the mother. Grandpa, yep. who was crazy. Yep. Um, and I think it was Marilyn. I think so. I think there were a couple different Marilyns, though. They, they used different different. Oh, women. the niece, niece. Yeah, the you're niece. Right. It wasn't the daughter. It was the niece. You're right. The niece. You're right. You're yep. right. All there right. you go. I thought you were smoking something on Friday. It is Friday, man. You know, wake and bake. Thought you had some of that, some of that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers peyote on Friday, man. Yes. See, Christie's got me. She knows it. She knows it was Marilyn, and she's right. It was the niece or the cousin. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, it was the niece. All right. What's up, Gorby? What's up, Gorby from Ireland? Hello, lads. Hello. Oh, the wee Gorby. This a wee crack of gold we seek, lads. Um, so what, what else is happening? How about the Phillies gunner? Now it's up to, uh, it's up to 12 straight on the road. They're one shy of the club record, which was set in 1976. They went again in yet another excellent pitching performance, you know, uh, right. Sanchez and then props to the bullpen gave you five clean innings after yes. Sanchez. I vote the Phillies never come home until the playoff. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but you're right. I think Sanchez may uh, be a number five starter, dude. Yeah, came out of nowhere, but you may I not know. have to sweat the fifth spot now. It, yeah, he's he stepped up. I give him a lot of props. Man, that bullpen is locked down. I mean, what a great performance by the bullpen. What, what a great hitting performance, clutch hitting. You yeah. know, Schwarber, Schwarber, who goes zero for six on thir- on uh, Wednesday, comes back two for five, clutch hit on on, on last night's game. You know, it's it's a little bit from everybody, man. You know, it's- well, I think the beauty of Schwarber is he, he's got the great baseball mindset. You know this because you played baseball, uh, you know, at a high level. You got to have amnesia. You can't let the night before carry over. Heck, it's yeah. such a game yeah. of failure. Like yeah. you just got to keep moving. And he's great at that. I think. Yeah, on football, unlike football, where you have five, six days to think about your mistakes. Um, baseball, you got to get back on that horse the next day. Yeah. You don't have time, you know. Uh, you get a day here and there, travel day, but in terms of getting something out of your system, you get an opportunity to get right back out there. And of course, unless the manager decides to sit you the next night, you know, and, and insert somebody else just to get rotation and give you a day off. But for the most part, you get right back on that hobby horse and get back in there, man. And look at Schwarber, you know, he's never going to be one that's going to compete for a batting title. But I tell you what, got to have that bat, get back to the lineup. You never know what he's going to give you night in, night out. And whatever it is, they win when he leads off. I, you know, I don't know, but that that's that's really all it uh, all it amounts to. So the the cool thing is, Derek, they're now they are in third place in the wild card uh, by a half game, and yep. they're they're now on pace to win eighty nine games, which is more than they won last year. So 
you know, this team with after that slow start, really the month of June and July, they have really turned it on. Um, and what a big one here uh, heading into Miami before the all-star break, because they're the team you're chasing right now on the wild card. It's amazing how we um, going into these last six games, we kept talking about, man, how crucial this series is before you get to that break. And I was just hoping they'd win two out of three. Never thought they would sweep Tampa down in Tampa who has the best home record in the majors, but Hey, you know, and now Miami, I don't think Miami is as talented as Tampa. They could go down to Miami and sweep. They can be a South beach and sweep, you know, spend a few extra days basking in the glory of what they did in the state of Florida. Yeah. I mean, look, they're feeling good about themselves. There's no doubt they go in, you know, it, it, it's a good way to go in here. Um, and you got Wheeler going tonight. Wheeler wasn't necessarily great in his last outing. And, yeah. you know, I, I look for him to bounce back. It's rare that he gives you one or two bad ones in a row that he usually comes out pretty strong. So, um, Good. I like it sets up really well. And Alcantara, Derek, and we'll get more into this later, but he's A, he's not having a great year. And B, even when he is dealing, the Phillies hit him pretty well. It's weird. They have the last couple of years. I mean, he's like a Cy Young pitcher against everybody else except the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever ever the case may be, the Phillies just have his number. You know, we always talk about teams that have the Phillies number, you know, like, like Miami, um, Atlanta in the regular season, things like that. But, man, you talk about the Phillies having somebody's number. Man. Boy, they, and they usually jump on him early, too. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why I can't wait to see what happens, man. The way they're going out, the way that mojo's working for them right now, um, I can't wait to see it. Interesting. It, this is going to be an interesting series because of, of all the teams, <coughs> I find this interesting, Rob. This Miami team hits has only hit 82 home runs. But yet they have the second-highest batting average in the National League. They have old-school on-base guys. Arise, you know, is is threatening 400. They have other guys who just – they don't necessarily all take the approach of just trying to launch angle this thing. So it, it's – it's a, I love it. it I, to me, that's a great form of offense. I don't I don't need home runs all the time. Like, you, you want to put the ball in play? I love yeah. that. And that's what Miami does. They're, they're second-last in the league in runs uh, in, in RBI. They're, they're near the bottom in home runs. It tells you they've gotten great pitching. It, it has to be the pitching, man, because yeah. how else do you explain the fact that we're sitting here talking about Miami team that's minus 10 in the run differential, yet they're 13 games over 500? That's it. I mean, that's dude, look no <laughs> further, man. It's it's pitching, that's for sure. Hey, did you see the latest on Damian Lillard? Now what? Uh, like, this is already exhausting. So uh, this is according to uh, NBA Central. So basically, if Lillard lands with another team other than the Heat, we know that's his preferred destination, right? Yep. He says he won't report. <laughs> yeah. This is according to, to Mark uh, G. Medina. He says, quote, uh, he just wouldn't go. A person familiar with Lillard's thinking told Sports Nut. Uh, he just wouldn't report. I don't think any other team would trade for him knowing that he's not going to be there. Uh, the person familiar with Lillard uh, – told you know basically what the thinking is he's a first ballot hall of famer so they should respect his wishes like first of all you don't have a no trade but but this is just it's so absurd i don't care like if i'm portland man and i get it ultimately teams have to agree to take him on and think they can convince him to play for him but now portland's going to be screwed into just sending him to miami because he's basically put to put it out there you know like hey don't even think about it anybody else it's crazy which which tells me that they percentages that he could remain in Portland uh, just shot up because, you know, you look at what Miami has already lost in free agency. 
maybe they don't want to give up anything else in the nucleus that I, they have. I mean, let's face it. When it comes to Eric Spolster coaching and Pat Riley finding players, I can't get over the fact that they got to the NBA Finals with seven undrafted players on their roster. They are better than anybody else in the league in terms of finding untapped talent right. and, and, and getting them integrated in that system down in Miami. Now, maybe they don't have another player they want to let go. And maybe Portland, they don't have what Portland's looking for in terms of you know, uh, getting players back to try to make their team better. So if that's out there and either either Lillard's agent or Lillard has put that out there through one of his contacts that he won't play for anybody other than Miami, you basically have handcuffed yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah so I, you're probably staying in Portland, dude. Well, yeah, probably. I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know. I don't know how afraid it is there where he won't even, you know, would he even bother showing up for them? I, I don't know where it's at at this point. But You're going to yeah. snub your nose at $43 million? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I, this is all posturing, Derek. Million dollars. Let, let's say hypothetically he gets traded to uh, to the Sixers. Just, I don't think it's going to happen. Just hypothetically. So you're telling me that rather than play basketball for yep. a living, yep, you would rather lose forty three million on on your principal that you wanted to go to Miami. I mean, like, how absurd is this? Like, if, if people would give anything to get anywhere near that. To, to play a game for a living and you're going to sit out because it's not your preferred destiny. It's just uh, tiring. See, 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 what is this? S blunts. It says disagree with you. Dame set out games last year for Portland so they could draft Scott Henderson. Dame has given the team everything, trade them to Miami, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. What if Miami doesn't want to give up certain players because of what they've already lost in free agency? What if Portland doesn't see certain players on Miami's roster that they like? I don't think they're giving up out of bio down there for, for Damien because you want Damien with him. He's well, the centerpiece of that team. They're not giving up. And that's one of the reasons why he wants to play there. He's buddies with Adebayo. And they're yes. certainly not giving up Jimmy Butler. The, the, this is where I disagree with that blunt. I, I, I don't think anything he said was wrong in the, in the chat. No. But, but if you're Portland and you're their GM, Joe Cronin, you have to do what's best for Portland. Absolutely. Not what's best for Dame. It's not that you don't respect what Dame gave you. Of course you do. But – Ultimately, this is a team sport. And when Dame's gone, what are you left with? Just taking care of Dame? It doesn't work that way. It no, shouldn't it doesn't work, work that way. way. No. Yeah. Not, that, and that's why I think the more, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm feeling it may not happen, um, especially if that's out there and that's true. You don't want a disgruntled superstar on your roster or coddle him. It's bad enough. The players control the NBA as it is right now anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot. Like I get it. it. Like and and if I'm a team, if I'm a team that knows, if I'm trading for, you really have to weigh because we know how these guys can can get. It's it's a dangerous game to to you know trade for somebody who's disgruntled. I get it, but just keep, keep in mind a lot of this is posturing. All right, uh, I wanted to throw this one. I said this to you guys, to you and Xander in the pre-show meeting. Yep. I never thought we'd be having this this topic of a discussion, but. So the latest on the Victor Webanyama, Britney Spears issue. Oh yeah. Just think about yeah. those words that just came out of my mouth. Yeah. So the, if you don't know the story, Britney was in Vegas, at, out at a restaurant. Victor Webanyama is Yama is there for the uh, rookie league, summer league, and he was at a restaurant. He's coming in with his entourage, his, his security folks, and this is where the dispute comes into play. So. Webanyama and his people say that Brittany grabbed Victor 
And then his, his, one of his security guys, you know, uh, intersected. They, she claims they backhanded her, knocked her glasses off and she almost fell over. Webanyama explained it yesterday that, uh, and by the way, Brittany says she just tapped him on the shoulder. Webanyama says she grabbed him. He didn't even know what was going on. The security guy basically just threw her off of him. And then all that happened and they kept moving. He said he never even saw her or anything. He just kept moving. Now I'm sure there's surveillance. I'm sure they were at some pretty nice restaurant. They weren't at, you know, the fast food joint. So I'm sure there's, there's surveillance and we'll find out what's what, but there's charges against the security guy. Yep. Brittany wants a public apology for this. And Webb and Yama and his crew are like, you know, she was out of line. So who knows? I don't know what's what, but the, even, the absurdity of this, we had, I had figured we had to talk about it. Even even if she grabbed him, yeah. What'd she do? Grab him on the shoulder? I it doubt it. She'd have to get a step ladder to get up there and grab him. Yeah, you know. And then if it, I'm thinking, whoa, 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 this is Britney Spears. Hold up, hold up, fellas. Yeah, this is Britney Spears here. You know, lady, could you back up? That's what. Excuse me, could you back up? Let yeah. me see if I can get his attention. Somebody's lying here. Yep. You know, first of all, I think. I'm inclined to think the security detail and the ball player are lying more so than Britney Spears. You know? okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why, like, I, like we always do with these things. Like to me, let's just wait. Let's let the dust settle for a second. And, and let, let, right, man. let me see the video. <laughs> yeah. we're twist, Here we go. Right. Here we go with the Britney wrong stuff. Yeah. I'm wrong with you, twist. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this, this is like bringing up uh, Zach Wilson's name, and then that's that. Here we go, open up the floodgates. But anyway, um, yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there. So we'll we'll see what ends up happening. What I don't get, Gunner, is the Sixers bring back Montrezl Harrell. Now, it looked I like they had. You. I, I know. It, it looked like they had escaped him, so he opted out, which was crazy. I think he was going to make like four million or three million, whatever it was. He opts out. Here's my guess is how it played out. He opted out. He thought he was going to get some. He or his agent. He got some bad advice, by the way. Um, yeah, Forrest, there we go. <laughs> Oops, she did it again. <laughs> um, so um, he opted out. The agent and he thought he was going to get more. And, and there was nothing out there for him. So he comes back at the minimum, which is less than he could have opted in for. So a, it's dumb on his part, but B, you don't need him. You just signed Bamba. You you, you apparently are going to resign Paul Reed. What's the point of Montrez Harrell, even though it's a minimum roster filler? I guess. <laughs> I told you, dude. They don't have a play. They don't this have is a mess. Unless this is you a freaking mess, Harden, man. Yeah. Unless you can trade Harden, they don't have much of a play, man. If they're committed to keeping both Maxi, uh, keep Maxi with Embiid. Their only play is Harden. Tobias Harris, if Tobias Harris was that big of a commodity, he'd have been traded by now, okay? If there was that much of a, a desire. But then again, we heard the story. If the Sixers are asking astronomical stuff for Tobias Harris, I'd be, I'm asking Darryl, man, what are you smoking, man? This is Tobias Harris, man. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just – you're going to hear me just hanging it up is what you're going to hear from me. Beep, beep. No, 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 because now I'm entertained. Oh, oh, wait, say that again. What do you want for <laughs> Tobias Harris? Then I'll say, ah! Have a good day. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It's. I'm telling you, man. They're gonna. They're gonna try and run this thing back, and and Sixers fans are gonna lose their collective minds. Oh, oh. Man. 
All right. I thought you'd enjoy this there. So the, uh, the fat Kelsey donut will be sold at fractured prunes, uh, three Jersey shore locations this summer in honor of Jason Kelsey, the fat Kelsey. Wait a minute. Say that again. It's called the fat Kelsey. It is a peanut butter glazed crumbled bacon topping with chocolate and honey drizzle. Did you have to go to Fat Kelsey? Could you <laughs> That's not- what they called it. <laughs> not you, I'm just saying. But couldn't He's you- on board with that. He likes it. Really? Yes. The Fat Kelsey. Okay. I think this is going to be very popular in a short amount of time. So it's a partnership he has with this place called the Fractured Prune. I've been there. They have good donuts. Okay. The Fractured Prune. It's a Jersey Shore donut shop. They got, they're in North Wildwood. They're in Ocean City. They're in Sea Isle, right? So the business gave Kelsey the creative freedom to choose the ingredients. Kelsey, this is Kelsey's you know, baby here, right? All the proceeds go to his, uh, his foundation. Good. It's called called B yeah. B Philly foundation. It's a nonprofit. It provides financial support and partners with youth programs in the city and coded by kids, you know, other, Mm -hmm. other awesome stuff that, you know, height, height, Philadelphia and all that. But he, he dubbed it. Yeah. He came up with the name and he, he picked up the, so peanut butter glazed donut topped with crumbled bacon and chocolate and honey drizzle. No, There's a I'm lot not, going on there, man. I like I liked everything until you said the bacon. I don't want you know a lot of donut shops have this crumbled bacon on donuts, and I've tried yeah. it one time. Um, no, no, yeah, I, you you had me until you said bacon on a donut. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a. I, I don't love the sweet sour thing or or sweet salty thing. Sorry. No, no, no. Not you, I I have had in my lifetime uh, having like a donut. Like a glazed donut, I like that. But warm them up in a microwave, not just warm, and they'll have like eggs with the bacon with them, like that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, all that mess on, on a donut, man, now see sometimes you go a little bit too far. You, you, you take know, it a notch too far. Yeah, yeah. you t- you know that's it's the same thing with burgers. You know when you think about it, we grew up traditionally. You had you had lettuce, you had tomato, you know, um, you had maybe pickles, and I eat pickles on my burgers. Yeah. You had cheese, you know. Yep. And some bacon, maybe that's it. You know, now if you look in the last 20 years, yeah. they've got sauce on the bacon, they're adding all kind of crazy stuff on bacon. You go to these specialty burger shops, all this stuff. I'm like, I understand there's a market for it, but yeah. I'm not eating it. I'm not yeah, we push it. To, why we we have to always top? It's always like let's go to another extreme. You know, it's like there's a reason the burger and and most kind of pizza, like pepperoni or whatever, has worked forever because it's good. We don't always need to add a zillion toppings to everything. It's not yes, necessary. Eagle realist, but you know, put egg on a burger. Why? A lot of people do that. They'll cook Why? it with the egg. They'll, they'll cook it with the egg to give it more flavor. Like that yep. does happen. And Christy said, "Oh my God, I've googled the donuts. The the look they they look like voodoo donuts. Amazing. Disagree, D Gun. <laughs> I love bacon maple syrup donuts. Well, Christy, that's because you're a little different." <laughs> You're a little different, Chris. That's all so, I'm going to say. So Steve has a suggestion. Yeah. A couple puffs of the wacky tobacco and the donut will be delicious. I don't disagree with that. You no, know what? Right. You get the munchies. Anything tastes good. That's the thing. I don't know how, how late the, the uh, what's it called? The fractured prune. Yeah. The, I, I, how late it's open. But if I'm them, I'm probably staying open pretty late because you could do pretty well yeah. uh, with the with that crew, with the late yeah, night crew, yeah. I think. You know, I'm yeah. Crazy. Hey, man, look. You know, you get the munchies, man. Brussels sprouts taste good. Anything. Exactly. Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut yes. tastes good. You do hey. what you got to do. All right. Now, so. so when we come back, uh, Matt Lombardo from Heavy on Sports, he's the senior NFL reporter. He's going to join us. We'll talk about the Eagles, 
and dive real hard into the NFC East later. Gunner, I didn't even get to work. Eagles question of the day. We'll do that at one o'clock. Uh, biggest concern for you, players lost or coaches lost. Then the Eagles depth. We'll get into that as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly dive back into the Phillies. But our NFL segment today, we've got a bunch of stuff we're going to hit with you. Uh, one is who would you like to sit down with in the history of pro football? Somebody you'd like to sit down with. Just kind of pick their brain a little bit. And our greatest series continues with the Washington old school Redskins, new school commanders. All right, we'll do all those when we get back. So don't go anywhere. Matt Lombardo coming up next. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. All right, speaking of hungry, right? And it's Friday. How about Bravo Pizza of Havertown? That would hit the spot right now. I know it's going to hit the spot for me once I'm done the show and I, and I order up my pizza. Uh, but Bravo Pizza of Havertown, I'm thrilled that they're a part of the show, part of the channel. I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex and the crew. They're there seven days a week, just putting out the best possible food, fresh every single day, 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. I love the upside down. That's probably what I'll be grabbing tonight. But they have the you name it, they will make it. That's right. Specialized pizza your way. And they don't just do pizza. They do fresh pasta. They do sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. You got They get you covered with any kind of craving that you might have. Bravo's also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Take a look. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. What's up, everybody? We are back. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, hanging out with you on this Friday. All right, we haven't talked to our next guest in a minute here. Uh, always good catching up with Matt Lombardo. He is yeah. the senior NFL reporter and host on Heavy on Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Lombo, what's up, my man? Rob, what's also up? on Threads. Threads is all the rage. If you're not on Threads, what are you doing? Rob, Derek, great to be here. Happy Friday. Matt, I'm telling you, all I've seen, Derek and I talked about it yesterday, is everybody, you know, making the move. I don't know. Do you buy it or do you think – because I know people get ticked off at Twitter and they're like, I'm out, and then people don't really leave. What, what's going to happen this time? Dude, I am so close to just deleting the Twitter app and moving on forever from all <laughs> the drama. You know, I tried to scroll through Twitter last Saturday morning and, and it just broke you know, yeah. rate limits and everything else. So, uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch unfold. They have something like 70 million new signups on threads in the first 48 hours, Jeez. which is incredible. Um, I, I think it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of like going back in time to the very beginning of Twitter. So I'm having some fun with it. I know a lot of other people are too. So you can check me out there as well as on Twitter. All right, Why awesome. tell me because I said I'm adamant. I'm not getting on threads. Yeah, gutters tell out. Me, tell yeah. me why I should get on threads when I've already gone through the, the trials and tribulations of Twitter. Yeah, you know what, Gunnar? I think the biggest thing that I'm optimistic about is people in my line of work, you know, written content, podcasts. If you're sharing links and you're sharing your work on Twitter, it never drove any sort of traffic. You could get, you know, a thousand retweets and you get 10 clicks on your article. It just didn't, it wasn't a platform that drove traffic. But for a long time, Facebook was. So I think that if you're sharing your work and you're a creator, I have a little more faith in Meta and Mark Zuckerberg driving traffic from what you put on on threads than I do in what Elon has done to Twitter and whatever Twitter was. All right. That's yeah, good. Lombo's educating us, Gunner. Yes, Come on, man. Threads also is going to draw all of the piranhas, all of the negative naysayers. It's the same. It, but to me, it's like Twitter part two. It, but that's social media in general, you know? I mean, yeah, but Facebook is not like that, though. 
it's you it's can a, control it more. Yeah. Yes. Instagram's a little better, and it's tied to your Instagram. So you that's why I'm a little bit optimistic. I'm done. Uh, so Matt, let's let's hit a bunch of things here, man. And, and and I know you're all you are so dug in on everything uh, in the NFL, but the NFC East in particular here. So I'll ask you: um, Are we looking at a very similar year last year in that Eagles are, are the team to beat? Dallas still really good. Giants year two now under Dable, and then Washington. You're not quite sure. It's a lot of Sam Howell discussion. But how do you look at it? Just kind of an overall general mix here. Yeah, Rob, I think the NFC East is still the Eagles division to lose. But I do think going into this year, the gap has closed a little bit based on what the Cowboys did over the offseason. I wrote an article last week Mm -hmm. uh, picking one X factor from each division who could really shake up the race. Brandon Cooks, you know, landing with the Cowboys for a song to me is a difference maker for Dak Prescott kind of filling that Amari Cooper role with CD lamb. I had a scout tell me that, you know, with CD taking the the top off, Brandon cooks is going to have his opportunities. So I think the Cowboys offense is going to be better. Stefan Gilmore for like a fifth round pick was highway robbery. So I think the Cowboys got better. I think the giants spent their way into improvement this offseason. I think Darren Waller has the chance to be a really dynamic playmaker for Daniel Jones, and I think Jones elevates his game. I could easily see him in that 28 to 30 touchdowns, 12 to 15 interceptions range in a second year with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. But I think it's just a, a colossal hill for those teams to climb to overtake the Philadelphia Eagles, who you look at with Jalen Hurts, who has just gotten better every year of his career. Um, I I love what they did bringing in DeAndre Swift. They've kind of split the backfield up with some playmakers there. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith entering his third season. And, oh, by the way, you have N'Kobe Dean, who could be a breakout player on defense. You have Jordan Davis, who's going to have an expanded role, and it's just a monster of a space eater in the middle. And that secondary, they brought everybody back. So I think the Eagles are the clear-cut favorite, not just in the division, but I think they're easily the team to beat in the NFC. But the challenge from the Cowboys and the Giants, I think, is going to be more significant. And I can see it being a lot closer of a race down the stretch uh, in that division based on what the other teams did. See, I noticed you didn't mention Washington. And, and here's the way I see I think Washington has better overall personnel than the Giants. But the big question mark is, with Eric Enemy there calling, and I, I'm assuming he's going to have a system very similar to what they ran in KC, but who's running the offense, the unknown Sam Howell or the career journeyman in Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, and, and Gunnar, that's a great point. And I love the receivers, you know, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, you put that duo up against just about everybody. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. in the backfield, not just a heroic story last year, but a heck of a player. I just don't know without the quarterback in, in yeah. a division that has two and maybe three franchise quarterbacks in place. I don't know that you can really make waves – when it's the fourth quarter of a one-score game and you're asking Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett to lead a game-winning or game-tying drive against Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, or Daniel Jones. That, to me, is the difference maker. I think it's going to be a tighter race overall in the division. I just don't think that anybody did enough to overtake the Eagles. And what Howie Roseman has done, guys, I think they've propped that window open for the next three to five years that they are the top dog in the team to beat in the yep. NFC. Yep. Interesting. Let me just go back to the Giants for a second, Matt. Um, do you – how do you see the Saquon thing playing out? Like, I don't, I said this to Gunner yesterday. I, I don't think he's some you know, derisive force. I don't see that being him. I don't see him sitting out a year. It never works out well for the guys anyway, but he's not happy. And he's let it be known. Do you think they get that deal done? I think July 17th was the, uh, was the deadline. So they have about 10 more days. What do you think happens? 
Yeah, Rob, talking to people around the league, there's a belief that it was going to get settled by training camp, by the deadline of July 17th. But we're about, what, 10 days away, a week and a half away, and there doesn't seem to be much progress there. I do think ultimately a deal gets done. But what I think is really interesting and kind of fascinating is the day after Saquon Barkley goes to his youth camp and tells the assembled media just how unhappy he is with the leaks publicly about the negotiations just how seriously he's considering sitting out and holding out the entire year, that within 24 hours, there's a report from Ian Rappaport that the Giants put the original offer back on the table. So I think that that was a really smart move Mm. by Saquon Barkley to kind of air those grievances publicly and say, listen, I'm ticked off here. I don't like how this is going, and I'm considering sitting out. And the Giants pretty much immediately put that offer back on the table. So I do think ultimately a deal gets done. And it doesn't really benefit anybody for it not to get done. You look at what he was last year, 1,300-yard rusher, close to 2,000 yards in terms of total offense. Um, one of the more prolific seasons of his career. He's shown that he can stay healthy. And I'd make an argument they don't win that playoff game against the Vikings without Saquon Barkley and what he did yeah, in that game, especially absolutely. in the first half. So it doesn't yeah. benefit Saquon to hold out because it never really works out for the players. And it certainly doesn't benefit the Giants to go into this year without Saquon Barkley in the backfield after everything they did over the course of the last two offseasons to surround Daniel Jones with some real help. What Brian Dabo did with Daniel Jones last year was simply phenomenal in terms of making a much more efficient quarterback, turning the ball over less. How much better can he be in year two under Dabo? Yeah, I think that some of the bringing Paris Campbell at wide receiver, bringing in Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley being back and, and another year removed from the torn ACL and the high ankle sprains, not to mention some of the moves on the offensive line. I mean, you look at Evan Neal, the starting right tackle, and the dude is just jacked going into training camp. Andrew Thomas, second team All-Pro a year ago, maybe pushing for first team All-Pro uh, this season. I think it's more about what the Giants did around Daniel Jones and the offensive line getting incrementally better, the talent around uh, Daniel Jones getting better than anything about Jones, not to mention the natural progression of a quarterback in a second year with a quarterback-friendly head coach and quarterback-friendly offensive coordinator. Like I said, I think the biggest thing for Jones is cutting down on the turnovers, and if he can get into that 28 to 30 touchdowns, 10 to 12 interception range, I think the Giants sign up for that, and I think that's how you win double-digit games, especially with a defense that at times was as dominant as as the Giants' defense was a year ago. Mm. Matt, how surprised were you? And I know they lost CJGJ and a couple other pieces, no doubt, but but they were able to retain as much as they retained the Eagles. How surprised were you with the offseason? Yeah, you know, Rob, I thought that that's just kind of – part of the forward-thinking plan of Howie Roseman. And it's not just who they lost, but, you know, you watch T.J. Edwards go sign with the Chicago Bears. Okay, N'Kobe Dean is going to slide into that role. Uh, and Damakon Sue, obviously floating out there in free agency, probably not going to be back. Okay, here's Jordan Davis. These guys all kind of had a redshirt year a year ago. And I think over the course of the last two drafts, I might have said this on this show or another one, They've really built a, a quote-unquote too deep, as you'd see on a college roster, where you have your upperclassmen who are the starters, but just, just below there, you got these backups that are kind of champing at the bit and are equally talented, highly touted recruits. They had some really high-caliber rookies the last couple of years that have been developing. 
that's why I think the Eagles don't take a step back because they've built out quality young depth on the roster. And, you know, bringing back Jason Kelsey is going to be huge. You know, you're looking at continuity on the offensive line. And, oh, by the way, because Jason Kelsey came back, you don't have a hole at offensive guard. Um, it just seems like there were so many moves that they made over the last two years that prevented them from being a whole lot of turnover and a whole lot of holes being created this offseason. Well, you just look at the Eagles' backfield. The deepest backfield in the NFL, big question mark, is the two front guys, can they stay healthy, with, which they haven't done. You know, Rob and I debated this a couple of weeks ago. Do we see a 1,000-yard rusher in the Eagles' backfield? No, but I do think it's still going to be one of the top running games in the NFL because of that offensive line. And not to mention Jalen Hurts, right? Because you look at Jaylen, what Jalen Hurts did a year ago, something like seven red zone touchdowns led the league in red, red zone rushing scores among quarterbacks. You know, you throw in the running backs, you throw in the offensive line in front of them, you throw in the fact that he's mobile and a dual threat quarterback. I think the days are gone, Derek. And I've talked to friends about this just casually down the shore and at parties and those sort of things about like, the workhorse running back is an endangered species in the NFL. And we all know right. that, but I don't think we've seen that more evident ever than this offseason when you look at Dalvin Cook, prime of his career, coming off one of the strongest statistical seasons of his career, just released in favor of Alexander Madison because he's younger and they have some younger running backs. Eagles don't bring back Miles Sanders. Uh, he goes to Carolina, but you have this three-headed monster in the backfield. You know, you look at how teams have handled the running back position. The average salary of kickers is something like $6.5 million dollars. There are seven teams in the NFL who spend $7 million or less on the running back position because wow. they have a guy they drafted in the third round. They have a journeyman backup and a guy on the veteran minimum. So, uh, again, you know, I think there's still value to the Saquon Barkleys and the Dalvin Cooks and the Tony Pollards and those guys. But I think you're seeing more and more teams are going to that model of how cheap can I just, you know, get this, get by with this position with multiple players so we're not beating them up. And we're not paying them top dollar, and we can spend on the top corner, the top wide receiver, and the top offensive tackle. And, and that's crazy when you point out the kicker comp. That, that is absolutely nuts. And I think, you know what, Matt? E even the Eagles are probably even more emboldened with that philosophy because they feel like their offensive line is so good. Not to say you could plug anybody in there, but you don't need Walter Payton back there, you know, right. to, to to do well. That said, were you surprised that Sanders got what he got from the Panthers? Because it looks like that it's completely dried up for almost everybody else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the contract itself was surprising, but you start looking what Scott Federer has done down there. They bring in Adam Thielen. I know you traded away DJ Moore as part of that deal, but you bring in um, Adam Thielen. You bring in the tight end. Um, used to play for the Bengals and the Jets. Names escaped me for some Hayden reason. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, right. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. And you bring in Miles Sanders. All of a sudden – you have a pretty exciting young core around your franchise quarterback. And that's what I thought the Giants were going to try to do when they drafted Saquon Barkley number two overall. You know, had they not traded Odell Beckham back in the day, you would have had Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, and a young quarterback. Pretty decent core to build around. I think that's what the Panthers are doing. And I think that they overpaid, not just because what Miles Sanders has proven to do as a running back, but caught something like 50 balls over the last couple of years. So he's a, he's a dump-off option, a safety valve for your young quarterback. I think there are only so many situations like that where teams are going to back up the truck, and Carolina makes perfect sense because they want to support their rookie franchise quarterback and set him up for immediate success. And that's why I think Sanders was a good fit there. Man, how do you size up the NFC South? Because, you know, when we talk about who's the front runner, it's like, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, throw all the names in the hat, right? I mean, I don't know that there's a clear-cut front runner in that division. I've written that a couple times, Gunnar. You know, I love what Atlanta's done. They've got some, some yep. really nice targeted free agent move, bringing in yep. Clive Campbell and a couple other weapons on defense. But Bijan Robinson, man, he could come out of the shoot and be a 2,000-yard running back right away. Drake London, an elite playmaker. They already had Kyle Pitts. They bring in Jonu Smith. Is Desmond Ritter the guy? This is his audition. But yep. I put their young core up against any in the league as far as excitement, you know, dynamic playmaking ability, all that. The Saints are the Saints. You know, who knows what Derek Carr is going to be able to do there? Who knows how healthy they're going to be? I think Tampa is kind of straddling that line between, hey, can we get lucky with Kyle Trask and or Baker Mayfield? But we don't have the money to spend, so we can't spend. So we're rebuilding. We try to compete. We don't really know. And Carolina – Look, the opportunity's there. I think Frank Reich is a brilliant offensive mind, more so than he was able to show with Carson Wentz as the quarterback in Indianapolis. Bryce Young offers a lot of excitement, a lot of upside. They have a nice young core, too. If you told me in January that the Panthers went from worst to first, I'd probably believe you. If you said Atlanta won the division, I'd believe you, too. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's Tampa or New Orleans. So uh, I don't know how I size it up other than it's wide open and there's a case to be made for all of them. That's how I would size that that division up. All right. Let me go back to the East for a minute in the Cowboys. Uh, Kellen Moore out. Mike McCarthy in uh, as the play caller has been there as a coach, obviously. Uh, good move, bad move, indifferent. How do you think that affects things with, with McCarthy being – because, look, Lava, let's face it, we've seen disasters late in games in huge I mean, spots. We saw that last play with Ezekiel Elliott, right? <laughs> well, the Ezekiel Elliott play the year before with Dak thinking he could yeah. spike it, you know, et cetera. We've seen this thing blow up. Is this a good or bad thing for the Cowboys? The bloom is kind of off the rose from the big PR push a couple of years ago. Of Mike McCarthy, oh. like gathering all the analytics minds in his basement, right? Remember that? <laughs> the big push on the front. Yeah. Next analytics genius, Mike McCarthy. Okay, that didn't exactly work out. You know, I think the Cowboys offense, I think they're going to be fine just because they're better at wide receiver. I really think losing Amari Cooper a year ago, that was one of the bigger miscalculations yeah. I've seen the Cowboys make maybe in a decade, but you're bringing Cooks to rectify that. I know people in that building are really fired up about the young tight ends that they have with Dalton Schultz, you know, leaving for Houston via free agency. I think they'll be better. I don't think they're a top 10 offense by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think they'll be better. Um, But I think the the real storyline here, Rob, is what's the impact going to be with Kellen Moore and the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert? Because that's a team that has all the pieces you want. Justin Herbert, to me, top five quarterback by talent, not necessarily by accomplishments. Now you have a fresh voice in Kellen Moore who understands how to get the most out of quarterbacks. I'm really excited to see what happens with the Chargers, Moore, and Herbert, more so than I am concerned about how the Cowboys offense shapes up with Mike McCarthy doing whatever he does. Matt, Matt, I've jokingly said so many times, and Rob can attest to this, when it comes to the Chargers, because I cover that team, I've watched that team for so long, there's just this dark cloud over that franchise. It doesn't make a difference if it's Phillip Rivers. You know, it doesn't make a difference who's quarterback in that team. They just can't get out of their own way and go deep into the playoffs. I don't know what it is about that franchise. They have the talent, no question about that. But they just can't get out of their own way. Well, right now you look at the AFC, it's hard to get out of your way, right? I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes. You have to have your A game for, as the Bengals found out, 60 minutes, not 59 minutes, 58 seconds, 60 minutes. You got Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who I think – I'm really high on them. I think they take another step forward. I think they're still the biggest threat 
to the the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks. But then you have the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton arriving and Russell yep. Wilson at quarterback. You know, it, it's it's just a who's who. The the Dolphins are going to be better. The Jets are going to be better. You know, it, it, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's extremely difficult to win in the modern AFC with all of the quarterbacks that are on that side of the bracket. Mm. With all that said, Matt, I know you wrote about this with with Aaron Rodgers. Like, are we we're all sort of just assuming they make the leap to the playoffs. I do like their team a lot, but you know, we we haven't seen the Jets be in that position in a while. What do you think there? Yeah, you know, I think that they have a lot of reason to be optimistic. They need to get Brees Hall back in the backfield and back healthy. Um, but but you know, you look at what they've done. Garrett Wilson is a playmaker. That defense is loaded all of a sudden, you know, at all three levels. They have playmakers at all three levels. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to make them better. I think they're the, the maybe the second biggest threat to the Buffalo Bills in that division because I think Miami has all of the pieces mm. that if Tua stays healthy, they're going to make a real run. I think the yep. Dolphins are dangerous. But the concern with Aaron Rodgers, and I've talked to several scouts about this, you know, there's a real concern that he's been very risk-averse over the last couple of years, hasn't pushed the ball deep downfield. They've had some pretty good wide receivers to do that with, especially last year um, in Green Bay. Will that change with Garrett Wilson? I guess we'll see. But he's been risk-averse. He's been really quick to get rid of the football, shying away from contact in the pocket. Um, so will they be better? I think they'll be better. But does that mean they're going to win 13 games and win the AFC East? I'm kind of skeptical. If somehow, some way, New England gets DeAndre Hopkins, how much does that? How much better does that make Matt Jones in that offense? Or Dalvin Cook? Or that? Dalvin Cook, for that matter. Yeah, if they get Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, then I think they're in the conversation, guys. But you know, I just think that the gap is too too wide between the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and New England. DeAndre Hopkins would be a really nice piece, but I don't know that Devontae Parker is the ideal number two target up there. I'm still skeptical about Mac Jones. I'm not sure that people in that building are completely sold on Mac Jones being the answer. And I think that kind of like the Buccaneers, the, the Patriots are another one of these franchises that are kind of in this transition between, are we going to rebuild or are we going to go for it? And if they sign DeAndre Hopkins, they're obviously all in, but I just don't know that they have the quarterback play or the depth across the board to overtake some of the other teams in the division that are just loaded on both sides of the ball. Mm. Matt, that said, let's stay on the Pats. The, you know, Derek and I were talking about a story yesterday where it seems, like, it seems like there's a little bit of tension between Belichick and Kraft. Like maybe there's something starting to grow out of that. It's been three years. They haven't, you know, since Brady left and the only playoff appearance, they got smoked by the Bills. Does Belichick just straight write his own ticket or could this get to the point where Kraft's like, yo, dude, like, we got to start winning here. Brady's long gone. He, he ain't walking through that door anytime soon. Yeah, I think, what is he, six wins shy of surpassing oh, Don Shula? Yeah. I, yep. I think that that's the litmus test. I think that if they win six games or more this year, I think that that's the moment that Belichick is either content to walk away or if he's not and he thinks that he can be Andy Reid and have that renaissance and go somewhere else at, at this age and win another Super Bowl and add that to his legacy – or win another one in New England, that's when I think Robert Kraft starts to get a little bit impatient. But I don't think that there's I, I don't think there's much excitement to move on from from Belichick before he has the chance to become the winningest coach of all time. But if it takes two years, if they go four and fourteen, four and thirteen or whatever it is, right. I, I don't know that he has a chance to break that record in New England. When you look at coaches in 2023 to you, which coaches are on a hot seat more so than others? 
boy, I have not sat down and had that conversation with myself yet, Derek. But, you know, <laughs> just off the top of my head, I think Mike McCarthy is right at the top of that list. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they took the half measure last year and, and let um, Kellen Moore go and, and didn't fire Mike McCarthy. So I think McCarthy is definitely on the hot seat there. And you look in Las Vegas, you know, that's another situation where I know that Mark Davis doesn't have the capital to pay multiple head coaches. But if Josh McDaniels doesn't turn it around and if this Jimmy Garoppolo thing blows up in their face, is McDaniels the next guy who's hired, who's fired before week seven? I think it's possible. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Hey, let me ask you, I saw folks in the chat wondering about this. I'll bounce it off you. Were you surprised they brought in Matt Patricia considering the history with Slay and well, the way it ended in Detroit wasn't exactly great last year. I, and I know he was kind of out of his, his purview there with the offensive side, but were you surprised at that? Yeah, I think the whole thing kind of surprised me, but you know, the, the counterpoint to that is he's a guy with head coaching experience on a staff where I think we saw in the Super Bowl last year that I, I think that Nick Sirianni kind of got away from what Nick Sirianni is and being mm-hmm. hyper aggressive and being hyper driven by analytics and I don't know necessarily that Matt Patricia is an analytics guy, but he has head coaching experience to the point where he can get on the headset to Nick Sirianni and say, you know, maybe we don't punt here. You know, I think that that might right. be right. kind of one of the moves by Howie Roseman to kind of buttress this staff with some more experienced voices that when you get to those big moments, you don't lose your identity. Right. Makes sense. Uh, when you when you talk about the Eagles as a whole, are you more intrigued by how the coach, the new coaching and strategic places, two new coordinators, position coaches, uh, f- uh, implement their style, their scheme, or are you more intrigued by some of the new faces or the players that have had the red shirt years now stepping up more so? To me, Gunner, it's all about the red shirt players because that's what you're banking a lot of your future on, not just 2023, right? If if Jordan mm-hmm. Davis is the guy, if he becomes an elite run stuffing defensive tackle. You're in business, especially with Brandon Graham next to him. And, oh, by the way, you know, you brought in Nolan Smith, who is going to get his reps this year, but he's ultimately going to replace a guy like uh, Brandon Graham. I mean, you have N'Kobe Dean. You you brought in all of these guys that are kind of the bedrock of your next wave of what this franchise hopes it's going to be. Uh, They they better be right, and these guys better be players. So to me, you know, the, the, the coaching is one thing. But the talent can mask even some growing pains on the coaching front. I'm interested to see just how talented these guys are and just how dominant they are right out of the shoot. Mm. All right, Matt, I see the Penn State uh, stuff behind you. I know what a Penn State fan you are. So let, let's take off the NFL hat. Let's put the college football hat on. I, I, I love this kid. I think he's going to be awesome. Drew Alar, the quarterback who's going to be stepping in for Clifford, who Clifford who was there for 14 years. Uh, how good <laughs> – how good do you think Alar is going to be? How good do you think Penn State is going to be this year? Yeah, I spoke to an NFL QB coach last summer before the college football season, and he told me that he had a conversation with James Franklin, and he told him point blank, you have the next Josh Allen on your hands. And you watch what he did in, in Purdue in the season opener on the road, first appearance and leads a, a pretty strong couple of drives when Clifford got dinged. You watch him in the blue-white game, some of the plays that he made. I know it's just a spring game. You can only determine so much off of that, but – he looks like a guy who's a franchise quarterback in the making. And that's really been their missing piece up there, right? And, you know, you can talk about what Trace McSorley did. He was never an elite quarterback. Sean Clifford was never an elite quarterback at the NFL level or the college level. Drew Allard is special. He's the former number one overall prospect in his recruiting class, five-star kid. But don't don't dismiss the running backs. Nick Singleton, Catron Allen – 
both thousand yard rushers as true freshmen. They're coming back. Olu Fashionu, the left tackle, is going to be probably a top three pick in the draft next year. So they have a lot of pieces in place. And I've had a lot of conversations with James Franklin over the offseason that it's all been about alignment for them in terms of the new uh, offensive athletic director, Pat Kraft, who has basically opened the checkbook for the football program and the athletic program. A lot of facilities upgrades going on there. There's alignment of ideas. I think, Rob, this is the year where they kind of set the table and they knock on the doorstep of the playoff. Maybe they make it in. Okay. But they have a two- or three-year window with Alara where I think they have the chance to win multiple championships. Hey, so. since, you brought up, since you brought up Penn State, uh, I want to expand and, and, and ask you about the Big Ten in general. Your thoughts on uh, teams from the Pac-12 joining the Big Ten. I, yeah, there's something to be said for tradition and why would you mess up what has been a tradition for so many decades? And now you got teams like UCLA. I know it's I know it's about money, but still, it just doesn't make sense, though. It doesn't, but I'll tell you what, I'm really looking forward to the trip out to the Coliseum. <laughs> Way to work that in. Nice. <laughs> no, but, but I'm kind of with you. And it's kind of a logistical nightmare, right, if, if you're going to yeah. fly uh, USC in for the whiteout in November. Okay, bring it on. That'll be fun. But, like – you know, UCLA flying to Rutgers for women's basketball in February, oh. right? I mean, yeah, it, but we're, we're worried about the students doing, getting their schoolwork done when they're on yeah, these exactly. cross country right. trips. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think they're done though. I, I think there's a chance you'll wind up seeing Oregon or Oregon state wind up in the Agreed. and you're going to have to balance it out. Arizona, maybe yep. Arizona state, because you can't, you can't have two schools flying cross country uh, and, and the rest of us flying cross country out that way without some sort of, balance in terms of your divisions um but that that's just the the way the world in modern college football and i could easily see we're what maybe two years away from the big 10 and the sec being the major college football conferences and that's all that's left it's going to be a have and have not that's what i i just hope the the little guy doesn't get totally muscled out you know every once in a while cincinnati will make a run that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, it's totally going to happen. But it's, you know, it's going to become like Major League Baseball, where it's like you have the Royals and then you have the Yankees. I hope it's not that extreme, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Speaking as a temple grad. Anyway, uh, Matt, good work. All right, so I want to tell everybody where they can where they can check you out. First of all, uh, what's, what's your threads handle? Let's start there. You know, we, we uh, kept it all the same. We, we got at Matt Lombardo NFL on okay. threads and on Twitter. You can check me out there. And, of course, you can read the work on heavy.com. Okay, and you got the uh, the podcast as well, the Matt Lombardo Show. Matt, keep up the good work, man. We're looking forward to talking to you during the football season. Thank you, sir. You're good, bro. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, Matt. Take care, buddy. Uh, always good stuff. Lombo can talk about everything. That's what, that's what we right. love. All right, Rob, after, after talking to Lombo now, how soon will you get a new Threads account? I told you. So what I did oh, – here's what I'm going to do, Derek. I was okay. probably going to do it over the weekend. I told you yesterday I was probably going to do it. Right. I, I'm, it's going to be, you know, I, I'm, it's not like I'm jumping over to threads and giving, you know, some, I'll be going there every three seconds doing commentary like some people like to do or posting pictures of the food that I'm about to eat or whatever. I'll, I'll go on there. I'll promote us. You know, if it, if it helps to promote anything we're doing, I'll do it. That's all. And see, Xander just said Jacobs is already on thread. Yeah, I, I I have to. I, I'll get over. I'll probably do it tomorrow. Actually, we'll, really? Gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hold up. Uh, so, uh, Xander, where can people follow us on Threads? Is it, is it just do a search for Jacob if you want to throw that in the chat to let me know? Uh, so, if people uh, are jumping over there at Jacob Sports. At Jacob Sports. Okay. Yeah. Same. Same as that. Same for uh, Twitter. So it's very simple. Just okay. keep everything uniform. Yeah. Hey, have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be like the Ray Dittinger holdout. You're not doing it. No cell phone. 
Ray, yeah. Ray doesn't get a cell phone. I'm not getting on threads. I got you. All right. Here's what we're going to do when we come back. Uh, I, let's pose the question uh, that we usually do right at the top, but let's hit it when we come back. Biggest concern for the Eagles going into 2023. Bigger, bigger concern. Players lost, coaches lost. We'll dive into that when we get back. We'll also look at the depth that they have as well. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are hanging with you. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network on this Friday. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. All right, folks, you work way too hard, way too hard not to have the right person assist you in investing your money. All right? You work too hard to let that happen. And you want to be taken care of when you get older. You want your kids to be taken care of when you get older. Uh, and you want to make sure you're maximizing and getting a bang for your buck. Well, Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group can help you with that. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim. I couldn't be any happier. And you can bounce anything off of them too. I, I do all the time. Give them a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. 
At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back Friday, Friday, as they say. Uh, Derek Dunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Day, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Just wrap things up with Matt Lombardo of Heavy on Sports. If you missed any of that or any of our interviews that we've done during the week or any segments you want to check out, just go to jacobsports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube channel. All right, Gunner, so here's our Eagles question of the day. Bigger, bigger concern for you, the players lost or the coaches lost. Now, let's run through what they lost on each side here. CJ, GJ, Hargrave, Marcus Epps, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, Miles Sanders, Isaac Sayamalu. I'm just giving you the highlights. I know there were other guys that left too, but they're the sort of big boys. Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator, also play caller. Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator. Nick Rallis, who goes from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator in Arizona. They also lost their secondary coach, among some other uh, you know lower-level guys who have taken other gigs. They've elevated Brian Johnson, and they hired Sean Desai. So that that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, where would you go with this one? Bigger concern for you. And, and everybody in the chat, please chime in. Um, I would say right now it, have, it would have to be the coaches lost because the, the coaches moved the chess pieces, you know, and put them in place. And, and I know I was not a big fan of Jonathan Gannon, but what they did, you can't take away from it. And again, you know, we understand they didn't play against the top-notch uh, opponents, but they were dominant when they had to be. You know, it's not their fault. They didn't make the schedule, but they went out and dominated basically everybody they played in a number of categories. Um, if Shane Steichen is considered one of the best offensive minds in the game, that's a big loss. Jonathan Gannon, whether you like this defensive scheme or not, he put his people in the right places for the most part, except CJ GJ said he didn't in the Super Bowl. But for the most part, his players were in the right places to, to be one of the top teams in terms of takeaways, one of the top teams in terms of overall defense. Because there's such a big mystery, a big question mark about how these new um, strategic pieces will move the chess pieces with, with the players, I have to say the coaches, because we don't know what we're getting. We know what we had. If Rallis is supposed to be this next great defensive mind, all of a sudden now he's in Arizona with Gannon. You know, we don't know what we have in place. I mean, let's face it. I've seen so many teams that were loaded with talent but weren't coached properly, and the overall product suffered. Good point. Uh, because I think, Derek, when you, when you hear the question right away, you're going to say players. Oh, 11 sacks for Hargrave. CJ GJ had six interceptions and, you know, solid guys like Evans right. and Edwards. You're going to say, oh, it's players. But, you know, we don't know. I, I think we all feel good about Brian Johnson. Right. But we don't know if he's going to have the feel for calling a game the way that Steichen did. It's not like it'd be different if Nick Sirianni was calling the plays. Brian Johnson's going to be calling the plays. We don't know how that's going to look exactly. Right. right. And then you go to the other side of the ball, and I get it. Everybody's just going to say, hey, thank God Gannon's gone. But the only thing I would say is, you know, Sean Desai is kind of an unknown. Like, I know he's done this before, yep. but he didn't do it to great success in Chicago. Not necessarily his fault because they didn't have real good talent. Um, 
but he hasn't done it successfully. He is a Vic Fangio disciple. So careful what you wish for, because he's going to give you a lot of what philosophically Gannon gave you, I think. Um, And then losing Rallis, who who is a very well thought of guy around the league. Like, absolutely. You know, there's a lot lost there uh, coaching wise. And even, even they they did hire from within in certain spots, but it's still not what you had because they're going to want to put their own niches on it. How closely will Nick Sirianni uh, monitor what Brian Johnson does? Now, granted, he's been in, he's been there with Nick for a while, so they understand each other. Brian understands what worked, but he still has to make decisions. If Nick is going to allow him to call the plays, then his decision-making process is going to be a little bit different than Steichen's. Right. Okay, Steichen's – had already done enough at this level to be regarded as as a premier offensive mind. We don't know that with Johnson. You know, decide a a one-year sample as a defensive coordinator. We don't know in an elevated role here with with better talent if it's going to work. And I do do agree that the X factor is deciding this, but everybody has to keep an eye on this relationship between Patricia and Darius Slate. That could cause a lot of unwarranted tension on that side of the football. Great point. If, if this thing gets too tense. And it, it's it's Camelot now, but when people start yelling, when things, you know, as good of a season as you have, you do have those moments where things don't go as well. Yeah. How will that situation be handled, especially if one side doesn't like the other and takes exception if that one party calls them out in a situation? That could blow up as well. You don't know. Yeah, that's a fair point. And and where I think that could also get tricky is the start of the season if they're all not on the same page, which would be understandable because they've had so much turnover there um, that it could take the defense a little while. And that's when things start to get – look, when you're winning, it's like you know, the ultimate deodorant, right? But when you're not or, – or, and or, let me put it this way. If, if early on, if the offense is really carrying them and they're having to put up 35 points a game, then there starts to become some strain maybe, you know, where the, oh man, the defense gave up 31 again, you know, you know whatever. That's where you could start to see the, the, the little cracks and Slay's not a guy to bite his tongue. Let's face it. If he yeah. doesn't like what's going on, yeah, he's going to speak his mind. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, you're right. That's something to keep your eye on. And, and again, I'm not scoffing what they lost. Hargrave is, is an incredible pass rusher at the no question. tackle spot. You know, Epps was a solid safety. Uh, we know TJ Edwards was a tackling machine. They're, they're good players. Yes. But I'm with you. Like, I would lean toward the coaching. I, like, I think it's going to be pretty smooth with Brian Johnson. But ultimately, we don't know for sure, hey, it's third and two. What are you dialing up here? And Steichen had a pretty good feel for what, you know, what to do there in, in yep. those situations. So that's one to keep your eye on, you know, with, with both of the coaching uh, staffs on each side look like. And how much, you know, how much of a role does Nick try to play with both of them? Because, of, because they are in their first year as coordinators. He might have to be a little bit more involved. Not to say he wasn't, but a little bit more this time. Less and autonomy, see, maybe. And, and see, that's another thing. Uh, a head coach wants to lessen his role on game day. Will he have to babysit more on both sides of the ball? Obviously, he's got to watch this thing closer than he did last year because he had a good feel for who he had uh, under him. He, 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 he feels good about who he has now, but you have to see it. Yeah. You know, with, with Brian Johnson, with Desai, you still have to see it. You know, um, you close he, as a head coach, as the as the field general, you closely have to watch and listen to the dialogue when Patricia speaks and how Slay responds. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, those things can't be overlooked. 
I agree. And that's where you'd love to be a fly on the wall. You know, I mean, how much of this stuff is going to come out publicly? Well, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, eventually if people do do uh, do do talk. Um, all right. So we are 65 days away from the season opener, Derek, 18 days away from training camp. So we're two weeks from Tuesday uh, before training camp starts. Just thinking about this today before the show in terms of depth. You look at their defensive line, you look at the Eagles offensive line, uh, you know, they're fir- certainly their first two receivers, maybe the cornerback spot where you have Slay, Bradbury, and Avante Maddox. They have pretty good depth at, at certain positions. Um, where would you say they have their greatest depth? Um, I, would have to, I would have to go offensive line. Um. Jeff Stoutland does such an incredible job of cross-training people. It's it's unbelievable. Um, you look at their starting five, as good as anybody in the National Football League. Then you look at those backing them up. You can plug Sua Opeta in at guard or center. You can plug a Jack Driscoll in at guard. I'd rather see him playing a guard more so than a tackle. They still have Breath Toth there. They have Josh Sills there. You know, they have a lot of players that are integrated in this system that if one player goes down, you know, this offensive line really doesn't miss a beat. We saw that happen, you know, sporadically last year. And because of that, this offense, this offense, the engine of the offense is the offensive line. And be, and because of their depth and versatility, I, I feel better about the offensive line in terms of depth more so than any other position. And wide receiver, we have question marks after the first two receivers. Uh, the You could argue running back. Um, defensive line, it looks pretty good, but we have question marks about Jordan Davis, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. The back end, we feel good about the corners. Safeties, we have question mark about. And the depth at the corner. So I would have to say the offensive line. Okay. I'm going to go defensive line. Um, okay. So I look at it from this perspective. You know, you're bringing back Brandon Graham, who was double-digit sack guy, Josh Sweat, double-digit sack, and I'm going to call uh, Kobe Dean an edge guy rather than a, a linebacker. You bring those guys back. You bring in Nolan Smith, who was a first-rounder, who a lot of people had going way higher than 30 where the Eagles grabbed him. And you also yep. bring back Derek Barnett. That's just uh, on the outside. That's just your edge, guys. Yep. Then you go inside. You still have Fletcher Cox. So you, you do still have experience. You have Milton Williams, who has experience. Yes, Jordan Davis didn't get much, but he got a taste. Then you have a guy who was considered maybe the second or third best talent, period, coming out in Jalen Carter, who you got at ninth. At your defensive tackle spot, you got pretty good depth there too. Not to mention, you know, Marlon uh, Tui Pelotu, who, who had a pretty good year last year till he got hurt. You know, there's other guys that you could throw into that mix as well. Like that's that's not bad depth. I know it's a little bit more unproven, definitely, than the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, the only spot you really you don't know about is the one guard spot. Uh, you know, along the offensive line, but I, I think there's a there's a really high ceiling for that D line. I really do. I, I don't disagree with you, but my, the, uh, my, my question mark is as, as, as phenomenal of a talent as we've seen Jalen Carter be at the collegiate level and all the experts love this kid. How quickly will he get acclimated at the NFL level? How much can Jordan Davis elevate his game? Can Jordan Davis sustain for 17 weeks um, at, 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 at 35, 40, 45% playing? Those are huge question marks, you know, on the offensive side, we've seen everybody that I mentioned play 
at some point. Right. Um, and I and I'm not discounting Jalen Carter could be rookie of the year, but you got to see it. The player players tra- transition at different rates. Some you can just drop in all of a sudden they're just a natural, but it goes to coaching. Yeah. All the coaches coach these guys up. You know, you you got you got di- de- defensive coordinator now in Jordan Davis's ear. He had Jonathan again. True. You got you got a new coordinator who who's trying to motivate um a Fletcher Cox. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, they'll take care of their own. Josh Sweat, they'll take care of their own. You know, but you you got you got a new voice over there. And and you wonder how long will it take us to see this defense as a whole gel, especially in the t- trenches. And if you're integrating Derek Barnett back into that, will he be all the way back from that knee injury? Yeah. You know, what 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 are we expecting from Derek Barnett? How much has he matured? Will his penalties once again override his physical attributes? It, 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 you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with you, but I. But when you asked the question when we were talking about it in the show meeting, I said, "What's?" I, it came down to me, okay, what's a given? The offensive line is is a given. We know yeah. if we have along the offensive line. No, I, I look, and so, I'll go to your I'll go to your point on this. Yeah. When you have Jeff Stoutland, I don't think there's much argument. You have the best position coach in the in the league, coaching those guys up. Yeah. So, even though you might have a couple of un, like like I have no doubt he'll get Steen up to speed really fast, you know, and cross train him at the guard or the tackle spot, like yeah. whatever he could handle yeah. both. Yeah. I don't have any doubt about that. That's a great advantage. You know, like you, you can plug guys in who maybe aren't quite as talented who just know where to be are fundamentally technically sound. Yeah. And that makes a difference. A lot of times that's all you need is that half second to either protect the guy or if you don't, he gets hit. Absolutely. So there's it, no question. Big. And, Rob, and Rob Stoutland's body of work, over the years, you look at how many different offensive linemen have come through this his system. His system is tried and proven year in and year out. This, but there's such a big question mark about what the other side is going to look like mm-hmm. under new leadership, under new voice, um, individual talent, no question. The likes of Reddick, Cox, Graham, Sweat. You know, even Mil- Milton Williams, um, no question. But again, how will they be strategically used? Percentage of plays, down, distance, when you attack. You're not going to blitz much, but you're going to have to blitz at some point. When you play the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, you have to blitz at some point to get them uncomfortable, get them off their spots. How good will will decide and Patricia be at doing that? The combination of the two be, at, be doing that with the personnel that they have, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see it, but we just don't know yet. We yeah. don't know. Well, I, I say this though about Barnett. I think if you're seeing the same kind of undisciplined stuff, it's going to be a super quick hook. It really is Derek. Like, I don't think they're going to give him a lot of rope. Like he does. If there's any of that stupid personal foul crap, he he's going to be, he's either going to be gone or sitting on the bench. Like he, uh, they, they won't deal with it. They won't tolerate. It. It's not a coincidence. Remember two years ago, Nick's first year, the whole when they, you know, the lip reading thing. Oh, it, it's always him. You remember that? Oh yeah, on Absolutely. the sideline. I'm telling you, man. Like that happens. That stuff starts happening again when you already have it. Like you know, preconceived notion in your head about how about that. He he. There will be a short leash. I'm telling you. I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, Coach Marcus? Yeah. He was already sick of him before he got hurt. He's right. He's right. That it was an interesting, interesting. They brought him back. Like I think they had to have good depth there at the edge position. I do, and I think that's going to benefit them uh, in in a big, big way. But you know, the other thing with the offensive line um, that I think really helps is you have a guy like Jalen who could get out of a jam. Simply no put, I mean, there could be a situation where somebody gets beat, but he's going to save your rear end because he's going to escape what what, what surely could have been a sack. The offensive line is first to admit Jalen makes them look really good. Yeah. And even when they make mistakes, see, we don't see the mistakes because Jalen makes a wild play out of a bad situation. Yep. But when they sit down and look at it on film, the coaches and the players know exactly what they were supposed to do that they didn't do. When you have a quarterback like a Jalen Hurst that can bail you out like that, it makes your job a lot easier. Yep. Yeah. Well, well you, you bring up, I think, a very interesting uh, – you brought up a position. And I probably should have thought of them when I was thinking about what positions have depth. But, you know, running backs deep. They yeah. may not have the Saquon Barkley, Marquee, Derek, Bar- uh, Derek Henry guy, yeah. but in terms of like four, I'd stack the Eagles four up against pretty much any team in the NFL. Couldn't that agree point. with you more. There's yeah. not many teams that can go four deep, and I, I'm not—I don't mean just four deep, four quality deep. You know, they're all proven entities. You know, we um, we we know the history be- behind two of these guys, but. When they're when they're on the field, man, they bring so much to the table. Even Boston Scott, and I can't say this enough. I'm I'm shocked that Boston Scott um, decided to stay here instead of going somewhere else where he might have a little bit more of a prominent role. He wouldn't be a feature back, wouldn't be your feature back, but could have had a more prominent role. But look at where he is as your number four back. Are you afraid to put Boston Scott in a game situation? No, no. We've seen this body of work. He doesn't fumble the ball. Tough little runner. Good pass catcher has a great burst. He's your number four. I'd stack them up against anybody in the National Football League in terms of running back depth. I'm okay. with you. Look, I'm with you. That's um, and, and, and each guy can do a little bit. Like, we know Boston Scott's really good against the Giants, but he's also very good in goal line. Uh, Gainwell's no very good in goal line. No Gainwell was a phenomenal pass catcher coming out of Memphis. State. Absolutely. Or Memphis. He, he was incredible. So, like, you know, and so was DeAndre Swift. There's a there's man, I you got to be drooling if you're Sirianni or Johnson with the versatility you have with that group too. There's no question. I mean, you know, you've got the pass catcher out of the backfield, open space to DeAndre Swift. You've got the banger between the tackles and Rashad Penny, who has potential to be a thousand yard rusher, but won't be in this system. Gainwell, we know what he's capable of doing both in a running and passing game. What else could you want? There are teams that are struggling to find a two deep backfield, let alone four deep. You know, you, I can't say enough about the depth on this team. You know, there's only so many balls that go around, and I think it's going to come down to whoever has the hot hand is going to get more reps in a game. That's what yeah. it's going to come down to. I think so, too. I, I think it's just a matter of – and and look, the, the offshoot of that is hopefully you keep these guys a little bit fresher and a little bit healthier, right? I mean, yeah. that's the offshoot of, of, of the way you're going to go about it. But I, I, I just think that you're also talking about two guys – I'm talking about the primaries here with DeAndre Swift and, and Penny who are on one-year deals, who have some things to prove in terms of showing that you can stay durable. Look, that's a position you don't get paid much to begin with. You really need to show out if you want to get a multi-year or a nice contract next year if you're one of those two guys. So there, there's major motivation you know, for both of those guys to play well. I, I can see your lead running back having 700 yards rushing on a season 
but yet you're still one of the top two or three running running games in the National Football League. Yep. I, I could 100% see that. No question. And, you know, you, you could be looking at it, not so much with Penny, but but Swift, 700 rushing, I don't know, 600 receiving, 500 receiving, you know, yep. the ability. I think what you're going to see with Swift is a lot more home runs in, in terms of the, you know, the running attack. And, and Penny's going to be more of your brute force guy. But nonetheless, I mean, they're – I mean, you're Brian Johnson. You're stepping into a nice spot. You're stepping into runner-up MVP, best offensive line in football, two thousand yards receiver, yard receivers, Dallas Goddard, and, and this these four running backs. I don't I don't know that any guy has stepped into a better spot than than what he's stepping into. Nothing I can think of. You know, uh, unless you were an offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots during their heyday, right? You know. Josh McDaniels left, came back, offense still kept rolling, you know. Um, when you when you had Tom Brady and that collection of players on that offensive side of the ball, and let's face it, even when you look at that New England Patriots dynasty back then, they didn't always have a marquee receiver. They didn't have always a marquee running back. They had perfect role players for their system. Yeah. You know, and their machine. Troy Brown. Troy Brown, yeah. Wes you know, Welker, Edelman. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so it's about the system. And this system has proven offensively that it can be one of the top offensive systems in the National Football League. You elevate a guy, you know, the best thing is you elevated a guy who watched this thing blossom the way it did. So he understands the personnel. But again, he's got to make the decisions now. Nick has already said he's going to be calling the plays. He's got to make the decisions now. I would imagine Nick's going to be in his ear a little bit more than he was in Steichen's ear initially. Um, but he's got to make the decisions. It's a, that's a big, big responsibility for him now. Yeah, it's a bit, look, it's a big thing for the head coach. The head coach loses both of his coordinators, his confidants. You know, that's a big deal. Um, but, but I think that he's – look, uh, as I look at it right now, I think he's replaced both of those guys with very confident uh, replacements. All right, yeah. good stuff there. Let's come back, Derek. Uh, we'll come back talk a little Phillies, 2 o'clock NFL – Bunch of stuff to get into with the NFL. Mark Ingram uh, will have a new home next year. We have some Brett Favre stuff. We will get into who we'd like to sit down with in uh, in NFL history. And then, of course, we'll continue with our greatest segment is the Washington Commanders slash Redskins. We'll do all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Pro Action Restoration. Yes, Pro Action Restoration. They are the place that you reach out to. If your business, if your property that you own, if your house goes through the pain, the inconvenience of water, smoke, mold damage, fire, something you're not equipped to handle. The other great thing is, look, a lot of times these things happen at very inconvenient hours, right? But Pro Action Restoration is open and on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through it at my parents' house. I had water damage there in their basement. I called them on a Saturday. The crew got right out there. They cleaned it up. They were professional. The price was right. Could not have been a better experience. Pro Action Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro Action will work in conjunction with your insurance company. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Also, which is huge. Whether it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. It is Friday. Hanging out with you, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Uh, weekend plans, Gunner? Anything? Uh, anything interesting on the horizon? My car is loaded up even as we speak. Tomorrow, my granddaughter turns two, so my daughter and son-in-law are throwing her a big birthday bash. Seventy-something people coming. So in my car right now are two ten by ten tents that I have, plus a twenty by thirty 
a canopy tent that I have, um, a popcorn machine that I've borrowed um, as well. And then I've got to bring an inflatable water slide inflatable that we have as well. So when I'm done on this show, I will be running down to my daughter's house and helping uh, her, her my, my daughter's father-in-law and, and her husband. We are set up last year. We did the same thing when she turned one. It was a, uh, it was like a, a mini carnival. <laughs> and so then uh, my son is taking down his girlfriend's uh, family's uh, water inflatable as well to set up tomorrow morning. And so it looks like it's like 40% chance of rain right now, but with the in-ground swimming to uh, swimming pool, the two water slide, uh, it's going to be a, an all day starts at three, but I'll get there tomorrow early and help finish setting up and stuff like that. I got all my stakes in the car to stake everything down. My car is loaded down right now, brother. So, are yes. you grilling? Are you what's the deal? Last year, I was on the grill and I did. I had two grills going. I had a Blackstone flat top grill okay. and a, and a uh, gas grill going, and I did. I mean, like a hundred burgers for like 70, 80 people. Okay. Uh, Barrett Brooks showed up with his two grandkids. Nice. Um, and I was under this big tree right by the pool grilling, and my daughter said, "Dad, you're not grilling this year." I said, "Why not?" Because, Dad, that's not you're not having fun. So my daughter's telling me what to do now. So they've hired a truck, a sandwich truck. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So they got everything. So that's yeah, cool. that's cool. Yeah, this little this little girl, as you saw the other day when she was sitting here for the show meeting. So runs, cute, by the way. So cute. Oh my goodness, she runs the show. The scary part is she is so much like my my daughter. It's scary in terms of not missing anything, mm -hmm. clarity and diction. Her clarity and diction since she's been like 17 months old is, is ridiculous. Um, identifying words in books, um, the being defiant, you know, like you tell her to do something, go away. She tells you, go away. Oh, so we're, try, we're all trying to break her of this habit now. Her going, we don't know where this came from. Go away. <laughs> and then and then five seconds later, I'm sorry. I'm oh sorry. my God. But her personality is so much like my older the oldest daughter is scary. My oldest daughter, when she was up until she was a year old, we could not go out and have a nice meal together where we could all three just sit down and eat. I would have to hold a baby in the foyer because she's always screaming. And my wife would eat. Then my wife would come out and hold a baby and I would go eat. Uh, we would never get to eat together. It's like, phew. but tomorrow, 87 degrees, overcast, hopefully no rain. But if it rains, we got canopies everywhere. They have a huge covered porch. Take care of it. So, yeah. And then I get all the cases. Well, I get most of the cases of sodas as well. So, all right, all right, you can be busy. I'm locked, I like it. I'm locked down for Saturday, brother. All right, let me pass this along to you. So, no charges will be filed. I know you've been. Everybody's been waiting. No charges filed in the brief investigation into the altercation between Britney Spears and Victor Webanyama's security team. So, no charges will be filed, which so, means so they probably looked at the tape of this, and there wasn't a whole lot. Is my guess? Just my guess. So, so the young, so so the the the, the security team is not filing a, the charges against Brittany. No, 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 they're not filing charges against Web and Yama's security guy who. Oh, they're not allegedly, yeah, backhanded Brittany. Yes. So, so did he not backhand Brittany then? Uh, here, that's what I'm saying. I'm guessing they, they these folks looked at this and said, "We're not. This is nothing. I don't know. Just my guess. I, I wasn't there." Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Yes. So there you go. Uh, I, or there were, or maybe uh, Web and Yama's folks reached out to Britney's folks and said, our bad. Can we just move on? I don't know. I don't know. 
Or did they apologize? And you know, she said she wanted an apology. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, did they yeah. just say, "Hey, our bad. Sorry about that." You know, let's keep moving. I don't know. Interesting. So anyway, yeah, the the Victor Webinyama Britney Spears saga may be over, but maybe not. You never know uh, in this day and age. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's sneak in a little Phillies here. We hey, by the way, hey, thank you everybody for the birthday wishes to my granddaughter. She is a priceless gem. Thank you. Two years uh, old, man. She, and the thing Beautiful. is, she knows how to play both of her grandfathers too. Boy, she is she has a master's degree already in how to play her her eight year old brother, her grandfather, her dad, and my my four year old grandson here. He, the thing is, she always hits him. She'll hit him on the head with a toy, Uh-oh. or she'll hit him. You know, she'll hit, and he'll say, and he'll say, "Hey, she just hit me again." We reprimand her. We make her. All right, you got a timeout. Go sit down. We make her sit down. She sits there like this. <laughs> You and got then, a, you got a diva there, my man. And then we and then when we we make her sit down, the four year old says, "Don't make her sit down. It's okay." Then oh, what you stick for, you know? And so I told her, I said, "You know what? You take you take something and pop her on it." And my daughter's like, "Don't tell him to hit her back. <laughs> well, she's got to learn. She can't be smacking people." I tell you what, I already told her parents and said, "You two are going to be in school every week for something, you know, uh, whether she's telling somebody to go away or no." You two are going to have some some interesting parent-teacher conferences when she starts school. <laughs> it sounds that way. Hey, I just saw this, too, for whatever it's worth. Um, there was a fire at an electrical plant substation oh. in Wildwood. So I think, like, Wildwood and Wildwood Crest are without traffic lights. Uh, water parks are closed. What? Wawa gas pumps are closed. Key cards for hotels don't work. Private uh, electronic lockers don't work. Uh, air conditioning's out. You know, and it's hot as heck in this area. Like that's got to be. Can you imagine being on your vacation? You can't oh, get in your room. Man. You don't have air conditioning. You can't get gas if you're running low on gas. You can't go buy anything. Yeah, you can't go buy any. Wait, is the fire that out of control? No, it ju- it just whacked out the substation. So everything w- is is right now just on the fritz right now. Oh man, yeah. What, man. A way, what a way to spend your hard earned money. It might be your only vacation of the summer. I'm telling you. Now you got to deal. And sometimes, dude. It'll take if you whack a substation, it'll take you t- sometimes 24 hours to get it back online. Yeah. So yeah, anybody, if anybody's headed wow. down there, just just proceed with caution and know that's going on. And if you're if you're tr- listening to us while you're driving and you're running low on gas, you better pop off before you get to Wildwood and get some. FYI. Wow. Anyway, uh I don't, do, I don't do Jersey beaches anyway, dude. That's we're here to time. help, Derek. We're here to help the people. That's what hey, I don't know about you, but I don't do Jersey beaches. That's too much congestion for me. I, I like it. Um, I like the Jersey beaches. I don't get a chance to get there much because I work so much on, on the weekends. Right. Um, but I will agree with you a hundred percent in that a lot of the towns have gotten so overcrowded. You can't find parking. Hey. You can't, you can't get a spot at the beach. No, thanks. Like that's not for me. Like my days of that stuff are long gone. No, thank See, you. For, for me, the Delaware beaches are still accessible. You know, little Delaware towns that we go to. Yep. yep which we'll be going to next week. Um, but now we're starting to get a big influx of people from Jersey and New York coming to Delaware beaches. Yeah. Hey, go back to your own beaches. <laughs> go, you, 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 go, you know, just leave little Delaware alone. Just, yeah, leave us alone. Yeah, yeah let, our, let our great little secret here stay here. Yeah. You know, and in Maryland. Maryland's another one. You know, I, love Ocean, I love Ocean City, Maryland, the, the De- yeah. Dewey Beach and all the Rehoboth. They're all great, man. Yeah. They're all great. Yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll be down between uh, Dewey and Bethany. Bethany's awesome too. Yeah, Very cool. cool. Great cool. Town. 
They are. Oh my goodness. Rehoboth is so overrun now by tourists. Is it? You can't, you can't find parking anywhere in Rehoboth. So we go to, you know, a few miles down the road, hit Dewey and Bethany. Uh, they're, they're more congested now, but where you stay, you can walk to places a lot easier. Right. It's to the beach. Like we're using a friend's beach house. Walk out the front door, turn left, 20 feet, you're on the beach. Mm. You know, so that, that's great. You know, we park right there. We want to go get ice cream. You want to go to a restaurant. You can walk two or three blocks the other way. Yeah. Now, we'll go in, now, we'll go into the town of Rehoboth because Rehoboth has some great seafood places and stuff. We'll fight that battle, but we know it well enough to know to make, you know, reservations well in advance to do yep. it. But yep. when we come to Jersey beaches, man, last time I was there, it's like, man, get me out of here. It's gotten a little crazy. I agree with you. It has gotten crazy. Um, all right, Philly. So uh, they win last night 3-1 in 11 innings. Listen to, to these pitching lines here. Yep. So Christopher Sanchez goes six innings, allowed one run on a home run. Last four outings for him, 21 innings, just five earned runs. He's got a 2-1-4 ERA in a 0.90 whip. He has just been awesome in that fifth spot. He's really stepped up for them which has been huge, but also last night, Derek, Junior Marte, yeah. Jose Alvarado, Craig Kimbrell, and Matt Strom. Five innings, no runs allowed, seven strikeouts. That is, against that lineup, the, the Tampa and, Rolls and Just as important, Rob, only three walks. They're like, yeah. Because of the speed they have on that team, Yep, you kept them off the bases, you only gave up three walks? Yeah. That staff is, has more than done its job. And as, and as we said, you know, uh, I think Sanchez may have locked down that, that number five spot. Yeah. They yeah. have. Look, look at his last three outings. Not bad at all. No, very good, in fact. I, I, I'll i say this, too. You know, for the most part, the entire year, the pitching's been pretty good. You know, it, it took uh, it took Wheeler and, and, and Ranger when he got off the injured list a little bit to get going. And I know Nola's been kind of up and down. But for the most part, between yep. their starting pitching and their relief, they, they have more than done the job. They have Absolutely. really, really done well for them. Absolutely. Uh, so the, here's the way things are right now, the standings. So, uh, again, I don't pay much attention to this, but I'll just give it to you just to give it to you. They're 11 back in the East. Uh, the Braves have won 9 of 10. No surprise there. Um, so, but the, and the Marlins are eight and a half back of the uh, Braves. So it goes Braves, Marlins, Phillies. But let's go to the wild card. So the Phillies are, if the season ended right now, they're in. They're the third place team. Three get in. So you have the Marlins, the Dodgers, and the Phillies. Phillies are two and a half back of the Marlins, you know, one and a half back of the Dodgers. Then San Francisco's only a half game back. Milwaukee's one game back. So it's pretty tight, three, four, five right there. Uh, but man, you can win two out of three here and chip away even more. Yep. Yep. Pretty good. No, you no, know? No, no question about it, man. Uh, and that's why. Marlins are not a heavy hitting team. They just frustrate the heck out of you, spraying the ball all over the field, and they're pretty good on the bases. And you're right, the pitching staff is really. I, I haven't seen the numbers. They've won a ton of one run games, they're which great is why they're one run games. Games they're the best team in baseball in one run games. Yeah, yeah. Phillies are good too. Phillies are second. Yeah, Phillies are yeah. second. Yeah, that's why it's going to be a really interesting series. I can't wait to see this one unfold. Yeah, it's going to be. Fun. Although I probably won't get to see tonight's game though. No, you're too busy. Yeah, I'll be out setting up stuff all night. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear you. I hear you. I'll, I'll have it on my phone. You know, I'll I'll listen to it on my phone, but that's about it. Yeah. So the 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 pitching matchups you have Wheeler Alcantara tonight. You have Suarez and Garrett tomorrow, and then you have Nola uh, Luzardo 
on on Sunday. So that's your that's the way things set up. And then they're off. So you get after the for the All Star break, you have the home run hitting contest on Monday, and then the All Star game itself on Tuesday. The nice thing for the Phil for the Phillies and most teams, some teams come back Thursday, but the Phillies are off till Friday. So okay. um, they'll be off till Friday. But that's they get San Diego for four. Then they get Milwaukee. These are all here, by the way. San Diego for four, Milwaukee for three here uh, coming up. And then, and then that Saturday is a doubleheader. It's a day-night doubleheader, which is the uh, July 15th. So uh, that's like, going to be – they're playing some good teams lately, Derek. You know, you go from the Rays to the Marlins. I know the Padres have started off kind of slow, but the, and the Brewers are pretty solid. Um, I don't like the fact they're playing it in Philly. I'd rather play them on the road. <laughs> I know, man. 12 straight on the road. They're the road warriors. Yeah, get him back, get him back on the road, please. I know. Jeez. I listen. I'm oh, with you. Man. I'm with you on that one. Oh, uh, but like, so not only that, I don't know if you saw the play that Bohm made with a bare hand last night. It oh, was yeah. Mike Schmidt esque. So there, there's yeah. a ball hit in the ninth. I think it was uh, Parade. He said it uh, down the third base line, and it was kind of a do or die play. And Bohm bare hands it, strong throw. He made a couple of really nice plays last night. His defense is so improved. That you could tell this guy has just worked his tail off. He has really blossomed the lockdown at third base, uh, considering where he was just a year ago. And obviously, the more experience you get, the better you get at it. But you're right, Rob. He's making all the plays in the hole. He's an accurate thrower. Uh, doesn't make many errors. And of course, obviously, he, he's he's uh, he's uh, proven himself at the plate as well. Um, I tell you, when you think about it, Phillies have a pretty good nucleus of players for years to come. You know, we keep talking about how decimated their minor league system is, but you look at the young players they have with the Bones, the Stotts, the Derek Halls, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. They're in pretty good shape, you know, for, for several years to come now, man, with this nucleus of players they have. No, you're right. I mean, yeah, suddenly you look at it with Bohm, uh, Stott, even Marsh. though he wasn't in the system. Yeah, Marsh, y- yeah. you know, yeah, y- you know, you're pretty young. And then, you know, if Derek Hall can – yeah, we'll see. But if Derek Hall can can hit and and be a competent first baseman, that's another guy who's relatively young. Um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. If Painter can ever get right, they said is the elbow's okay now. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, you could be in pretty good shape for for some time to come. It's about time they could start dipping into that minor league system and have guys come up and, and pitch well for them. Well, well, the thing is, when I when I say that, Rob, it's it's because. Now you're not in dire straits to find that next player to come up. You don't have to bring him up too soon. You give him extra time to try to develop, you know, and hopefully the negatives they have in their minor league system on paper now turn into positives real soon, more so than trying to bring these kids up before they're ready Hmm. um, because you have nowhere else to go. So that's what I said. When you look at the nucleus they have now, they can keep this nucleus together for quite some time and let these young kids develop even more so at the lower levels. No, you're right. You're right, Derek. And that's something that's a, it's a great disadvantage they had for a long time. Atlanta yep. could just dip into that pool. Yep. My, yep. Or, uh, Miami, uh, the Dodgers, Dodgers, Padres, yep. you know, all those teams could just dip into that pool for sure. But if you take a step back for a minute, you look at it, they've won 22 of 29 overall um, after that bad start. Really? Really, since June, they have been a completely different team. It's so weird how it mirrors last year. It really is. I mean, it was almost the same thing, minus, you know, Girardi getting fired and Thompson stepping in. They they just 
for whatever reason, they don't get out of the shoot well, this this group. But, man, when they turn it on, they turn it on. Yeah, you know, and June seems to be the month. Look at Schwarber, you know, Schwarbaum. Yeah. Schwarbaum, all of a sudden uh, he wakes up in the month of June. Um, it's hard to figure out with, with teams in baseball, you know, why they peak or don't peak at certain points of a year. But if this team continues to play similar to the way it di- did last year, they're going to be in the playoffs. They, uh, like I said, right now the Braves are 30 games over 500. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're catching them. No, they're they, a machine. Yeah. That would be one of the biggest collapses in the history of baseball mm-hmm. if they somehow screwed this up, which I don't think it's going They're to happen. They're not. They, they don't, don't count on it. Yeah. But this team could finish number two. Phillies could finish number two in the division. Yep. And it starts this week, and you can cut some significant – if you could go in there and sweep sweep the Marlins and go to the break to that much closer to the Marlins, I will say this, though. Keep one eye on the Mets. All of a sudden, the Mets are playing better baseball. They They're, are. They're only they're, they're six and a half behind the Phillies. They were like nine and a half. They've won five in a row. They're only five games below five hundred now, and they're plus one in the uh, run differential. They were they were minus forever. Now they're plus one in the so whatever was going wrong for for the Mets is all of a sudden starting to go right for them. So you got to start. And plus they 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 beat up on the Phillies, right? And and that was that was sort of spurred this. And I think the other thing that had like getting they thought Pete Alonso was going to be out a long time. Yep. Getting Alonzo back is big for them. Like, you know, he was. I, I, I watched a little bit. I was flipping around late. I was kind of late. By the way, I saw a very good. Uh, I hadn't seen it yet. Um, a football life, Calvin Johnson. I watched that last night for the first oh, time. Oh, that's a great. That's a great one. It's really good. I didn't realize he's a such a smart, deep, yes. thought guy. Uh, anyway, but it was, if you ever get a chance to check it out, it's very good. Uh, but I'm flipping around last night between that and I was watching the Mets. Mets destroyed the Diamondbacks. Just took them. The, took them apart. Uh, Alonzo set the, the tone with a two-run shot in the first inning. Uh, just kind of got everything going for. Them. You're right; they're not dead. Like as much as we kind of laughed and scoffed at the Mets, don't totally write them off yet. No, you know they're all of a sudden they're sneaky. They're sneaky playing decent baseball. Well, you tattoo a team like Arizona. Arizona's a good team. Yeah, and you tattoo a team like Arizona. Uh, you you deserve to be uh, noticed at a certain point. Yeah. And I keep watching. I'm like, wait a minute, Mets won again. Wait, wait a minute. The Mets won again? You know, um, I don't I don't know if they can come all the way back, but they're making that whole division that much tougher. They are. For a lot of people. They're going to make it a lot tougher for a lot of people to get to that finish line. No, I agree. All right, so two guys who, I look, frankly, I didn't, I didn't think much of and I'd expect much out of that have really surprised me here in the first half. Let's start with Craig Kimbrell. He's he's gone twelve scoreless innings, Derek. He's perfect in save opportunities. Yep. I thought at best he was going to be kind of a middle guy, maybe a, maybe a setup guy, but he is, you know, taking that that closer role again, and he looks like Craig Kimbrell of ten years ago. I'm amazed. I think when you take into consideration the strong arms that they have on the back end of this bullpen, you know, Soto, Alvarado. And Rob Thompson has basically put the ball in the hands of Kimbrell. That tells you what he thinks about what he's – you're right. He's back to that top-notch form that he was. And I didn't think he ever would. I'm thinking, okay, Father Time has caught up to him. When I was looking at him in April and May, I'm thinking Father Time has finally caught up to him. You know, this was a bad – what was it, a one-year $10 million investment? Yes, yeah. You know, for him. Um, and all of a sudden, he's become one of the best closers in the game. Yeah. You know, I mean – I still can't get over that that, that that the stretch motion he goes through. It looks like a pelican. 
Yeah. It's the crane. I call him the karate kid. He's like getting, it's yeah. like a reverse crane that, you know, yeah. and, then, and then whatever works, man, you know, but man, is he delivering the goods, man, breaking yeah. pitches, fastball. Um, and he, what he hasn't given up how many, how many earned runs? 12, in 12 straight <laughs> scoreless innings. He's, yeah. What more could you ask for? But so there's that. And then there's the, you know, Castellano. So we, we, you know, I know we've talked about it a good amount, but he's the lone all-star as he should be. Uh, and he's having a great year. He's hitting 305, 347 on base, 506 slug, 853 OPS. He's already over 100 hits. He's got 26 doubles, uh, 13 home runs. He's driven in 55. He, you know, he looks like he's back to being the guy they gave that $100 million deal to. Yeah. And, 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 and that's it. That's hitting for you. The best of hitters go through those slumps. You know, we, we thought we watched him closely last year. He finally came on down a stretch. It's carried over this year. Um, he's as important to that offense as anybody. He's a he's as big a reason why this offense has been so successful as anybody in that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm glad to see. I'm, I've always been a big fan of his. Um, and, and his defense has not hurt him in any way, shape, or form as well, playing out there in right field. Um, he deserves all the accolades he's getting this year and the recognition of being an all-star. Um, because I would say, I would go so far as to say, I'm torn between him and Stott in terms of being who's been a steadier player at the plate all season. Ooh. If you would say who's been the steadiest player for this team for the season, I would start with Stott and, and Castellanos. Yeah, I, I would too. Like you could even, you could even take it as far as you, you got a big spot. I'm taking those two one two. You know, get me a hit. I am. Absolutely. You know, the thing with Stott is you're not worried about him if he's got two strikes on him. You're not worried about him against the lefty. Like, you don't worry about any of that kind of stuff with that guy. And he's only, you know, he's only in his second year, but he is a – his mindset is of a guy who's been around 10 years. And you don't worry about him whether he's hitting in the one hole, the five hole, the seven hole. You don't worry about anywhere you put this kid to line up. He's still producing for you. Yeah. You know, the back end, the back end of this lineup has been basically the back end of this lineup has won a lot of games for this team. They have. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, Marsh has had a nice year. Like he, yeah. it's not spectacular, but it's, it's really yeah. think about how bad center field was last year for the Phillies. It was Absolutely. Herrera and Roman Quinn, and you were just kind of running guys in and out. Yeah. Marsh is at 270 for you. Uh, he's done a really nice job, at, you know, and on top of that, Bohm. Bohm's up to 281. He leads you in, in RBIs. He's driven in 56. Yep. So, you know, that that has allowed Turner not to be great, Schwarber to be streaky, Castilla, or, uh, Real Muto to be streaky. Those guys have done their Arthur. job and, and allowed them to do that. And hopefully those other – the big boys really are more consistent in the second half of the year. They've all covered up for uh, Harper's inability to hit the long ball with the frequency that he, he, he's accustomed to. Right. And- you know, Rob Thompson's got a gold mine on, on his hands, man. All he has to do now is just continue to make the right moves. And so far, especially with the pitching staff, he's made all the right moves, you know, over the past three or four weeks in particular. He really has. All right, let's come back. Let's talk some NFL, Derek. Uh, we're going to dip into a bunch of different things, including you could sit down with anybody in NFL history, have a conversation with them. Who would it be? Our greatest segment is the Washington Redskins Commanders and a bunch of other you know news and notes present day as well. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. 
We're going to tell you right now about Flynn Tree Services. Excuse me, Pro Action. No, Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services, <clears throat> excuse me, is an experienced, <clears throat> licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. And they're experts at trimming all types of trees. And they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. And you go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Or you can reach them online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Uh, 
hour number three of the show. Let's hit the like button if we could, my friends. Uh, yeah, check out all our work at jacobsports.com, Jacob Sports YouTube channel. All right, he's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. Uh, let's talk a little NFL D-Gun because we are 62 mm. days away from uh, from kickoff, from it getting real uh, with that Thursday night game. We'll get to that in a second, but I'm going to hit a couple things. Mark Ingram. Uh, the running back uh, will be joining Fox's uh, college football coverage. So it looks like his NFL career could be uh, coming to uh, to an end. Had a heck of a career. Guy won a Heisman at Alabama as well. But he'll be joining their uh, their show, their pregame and postgame show. Studio show. Good move for him. Another athlete taking taking jobs, Rob. Another I know, athlete. man. What, you know, it's it's tough on us, man. What are we going to do, Derek? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've listened to Mark Ingram. I, I'm curious to see how he makes that transition. I don't know. You know, when you when you listen to certain players when they play the game, you think, you know what, they might be pretty good behind the mic, like a Malcolm Jenkins, right? Uh, somebody like that. But a Mark Ingram, I, I thought, okay. Uh, I'm but, with you. It's it's yeah. He he strikes me as meh. But they must have seen something in auditions. Yeah, uh, you know, and he maybe had good chemistry with the rest of their their crew that they use. I don't know. Uh, or or as we always know in our industry, it's not always what you know, but who you know. That's true too. Or how much you'll work for. Yeah. So there's, yeah. you know, there's that, that's always a consideration. But yeah, so he's making that move. Uh, Brett Favre. He's he's embroiled in this civil suit with the Mississippi welfare funds, etc. It, the key thing is it is a civil suit. It's not a criminal as of right now. No criminal yep. charges brought against them. Yep. But he says that he will he will um, he will not invoke the uh, you know the 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 Fifth Amendment at his trial. So he would speak, um, which I guess he's pretty confident that he's in the right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're going to find out what, what what the judges think and, and what the. Yep. Uh, the jury thinks when it comes to this, yep. I know there's a lot of, there were a lot of people who, who uh, considered uh, Brett Favre a God in the state of Mississippi that have now turned on him since this story has come out. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are anti. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the jury and the judge handle this, this situation. But if he's taking his stance, you're right. He must feel pretty confident that he's, he should be absolved of all this stuff. You know, and you know what? Maybe he wasn't in a no. Maybe maybe people use his name to do certain things. I don't know, you know, but it's going to come out. It's all going to come out soon enough. That's right. We'll find one way or the other. Uh, We will find out soon enough. All right. So I I got you know as you know I get excited here that we're getting close. uh, No, no. Yes, Uh, we're we're only as I said, we're Jason Kelsey's number away from the the NFL season starting. We are Lane Johnson away from the Eagles season starting. Okay, so. Um, there, there's a, it's a pretty good card week one, Derek. All right. Let me just, let me hit the highlights with you and then let's go through some of these games. Okay. Before we get to everything else that we have. So, uh, I love the Thursday matchup. I just think it's fun. It's the lions at the chiefs. And I like that the NFL went out of the box a little bit. Not that a lot of people don't think the lions are going to be good, but normally it would have been the Eagles and the chiefs or Cincinnati and, and, and the chiefs or whatever. They went a little different, and I think it shows what they think Detroit's going to be. But I like that matchup. I'm interested. That could be a, a 40 to 37 type game. Um, yes. You know, for the, for Kansas City, they they're determined to prove that we are that team. We we're the new New England team. You know, we're we're, we're building that mini dynasty. 
for Detroit, it's about all these accolades pertaining to us about we could be that sleeper team. We've got to go out and show it. And who better to show it against than the defending Super Bowl champions? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, neither one of them have lockdown defenses. They have opportunistic defenses. This game could come down to who has the ball last, to be honest with you. I agree with you. Look, I agree with you 100%. I think it's a nice little uh, showcase for Detroit, too. All right, you want to tell us? We keep hearing how you're real and and how close you were last year. Okay, well, here you go. You get the uh, the champs right out of the chute. So that's Thursday night. A lot of good games Sunday. Um, You know, really into Monday as well, I should say. But uh, let's go with some intriguing games. Like, I think Cincinnati at Cleveland is going to be a really good game. Um, Yeah, that's that's one of your one o'clocks. I agree. You know, we got Deshaun Watson, first home game now as a regular starter, you know, full year under the system now. Cincinnati is one of the upper echelon teams. It's a division game. If you notice up and down this first week, there's a whole lot of division games right out of the bat this first yep. week. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The battle of the Ohio's. I, I oh, think Cleveland, you know, I think, I think Cleveland is like the, the, the AFC version of, you know, Atlanta or New Orleans, they're, they're going to be the team that you're like, Oh, I forgot about them. I forgot. They're pretty good. And yeah. with Watson now settled in there. Oh, there's no question about it. And, and, and Cleveland has the personnel. They just needed to, to settle on a QB. And now that you have them, especially the money you pay for, now we're going to find out if he can regain some of that form he had down in Houston. Yeah. But um, I look, I look up and down this schedule, Rob, and it's like, if I was just a football fan, not just a fan of a team, mm-hmm. but just a football fan, there's at least seven games here that I, I I need to watch if I could, if I had like direct the direct NFL package or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'd be flipping around to like seven different games just to see how they unfold. I would too. hundred percent. Yeah, I would too. Uh, that's a great one. So let's go to this one. Niners at the Steelers. Ooh. That's an underrated, interesting little matchup right there. You know, two two teams that take a lot of pride on defense. We we don't know if, if um, Purdy's going to play in that game, right? Um, Pickett can Pickett pick up where he left off? Um, could this could this be a low scoring game? Wow, this could be like one of those seventeen thirteen type games. Could be, With, you know, at ten o'clock game for the for the Niners and the Niners oh, fans. Yeah. Oh heck yeah, they're not you more know, than that. Uh, I can't. I, that's a game I can't wait to see as well. Yeah. Um, I, I got my eye on this other game here. You got the Rams against Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Are the Rams back? You know, and is Seattle legit like they showed you last year, where they just sort of a one hit, you know, resurrection wonder? I don't know. You know, Seattle spent a lot of money on defense. Cooper Cup coming back off that knee injury. Yep. Matthew Stafford in his office having a lot to prove. Cam Akers back in the backfield again for them. Um, man, I, woo. Yeah, they're healthy. And and everybody has written the Rams off. Me too. Like oh, absolutely. I yeah. agree with you. 100%. All right. That's that's a good one. Um, I'm intrigued. I don't I, because I want to see what both of these teams look like different. Uh what Vegas is going to look like this year with Garoppolo. And yep. what Denver's going to look like this year with Sean Payton in place now, if, if they fix that, right? Absolutely. That you know, yeah. that's if Garoppolo can play. Hopefully, the foot is healed enough True. to where he can play. But both teams have have plenty of weapons. Uh, did, did did Vegas improve their their defense? 
we know Denver has defense. Yeah, man, uh, you're right. This this could be a good one if Garoppolo's under center. It's in Denver. Denver has an advantage because of that thin air. Um, you're that, man, a Rob. Man, if I was a bet man, I wouldn't touch that game. No, I'm not getting near that one. Let's let's keep going here. Let it's let's a, stay. Go ahead. A, oh, oh, here now here. This could be the marquee shootout of the first week. Miami at the Chargers. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going next. Yes. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. If Tua stays upright in that one, you bet the over, friends. That's going to be a high number, but I, I would look at an over in that game. I, I think I think Herbert's going to be dealing in that game, and I think Tua's going to be dealing. I think we're going to see some some fireworks in that one. Miami's Miami's defense. Uh, I'm sorry, Miami's offense going at Derwin James and that defense. Yep. And Derwin James is one of the big hitters in the game. You know, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That one's Give me a be ticket, Rob. Give me a 50-yard ticket. I'm there. <laughs> um, and then how about the nightcap? I'm skipping over the Eagles, obviously, because we're we've talked about that one yep. a lot with New England. But yep. how about the night? Well, you know what? Let me just well, let me go. Let me go to the nightcap. Dallas at New York. That's yes. Sunday night. Debo year two, getting to, getting to hated getting their Giants hate Giants hate the Cowboys more than any other team in the division. Yep, and you got Dallas coming to your house for the primetime game, first game of the season primetime. Dallas coming in with Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, and, and the Giants are at home and that's that opener. And we know Dallas has had their number. Man, that's gonna be oh my goodness, that's gonna be nasty. That's gonna be what that could be like one of those old NFC East type type grudge, grudge matches. I'm, I think it's going to be a really good game. And that's all the Giants also, you know, want to show everybody we weren't just that one hit wonder. You know, we're we're getting better as we go here. All right, Absolutely. and then Monday's great. Bill, oh. Bills at Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Can you imagine the hype train for that game? Oh my God! Josh Monday's Allen and, and Aaron Rodgers on the same field, both loaded with weapons, both with good defenses. Oh man! The only thing is, you know, up and down the board. Your first game coming out of the gate is not, and nobody's going to be as polished as they are by week four or five. Yeah. But still, just the matchups because you know a lot of divisional matchups here, a lot of tone setters. One game we overlooked is Green Bay at Chicago. Yeah. What does Green Bay look like? What does Chicago? What does Justin Fields look like in year two? Yeah. Is that offense? Not just him running around. You know, what's it going to look like with DJ Moore and, and some of the other guys there? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be – and I'm I'm fascinated because I really believe – you saw the strides that, you know, Christian Watson took last year and, and some of the other receivers took last season. I mean, the fact that, you know, you, Jordan Love walks into that with, with a really, you know, a good offensive mind in LaFleur, yeah. we're going to find out what he's made of too. And it's a big year for him. So, so you have Jordan Love, who's older than Justin Fields, but Justin Fields has more NFL experience than Jordan Love. Yeah. What a, what a great scene. So I, I don't think that'll be – outside of the Midwest, I don't think that'll be a highly watched game, you know, with Aaron Rodgers not under center. But it's so intriguing in terms of how far have these teams come. Now, Green Bay has – well, they lost Adrian Amos, um, but Green Bay has like six number six former number one uh, draft picks playing on their defense, and their defense just fell apart last year. Right. Chicago went out and spent money to improve their defense. You know, no more. And, and I'm sure Chicago's thinking, 
thank goodness we don't have to deal with Aaron Rodgers talking about he owns us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, that's right. I own you. Right, that's what he always used to say when he would score. And he did. Let's face yeah. it, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, you talk about man. Two teams that don't want to start on the bottom of that division uh, when you're uh, looking up at Minnesota and Detroit. Oh, yeah, man. it's good. It's a good week one. It's a nice little combo of cool, different matchups like the Lions and the Chiefs. You know, interdivision matchups and. Yeah, look, the Eagles and the Patriots is a, is a very, very you know attractive oh, yeah. game too. So yeah, there's the a lot. Schedule, of maker, schedule makers did a great job putting together this first week. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, so Man. we kind of stumbled into this one yesterday. Uh, we were doing present day uh, guys you would you would you know pay your hard earned money to watch play or whatever, and we kind of started going back into the past and all this other stuff. So uh, the premise of this is. Yeah, if you could sit down with anybody from the history, of the they could be you know departed, they could be retired, whatever, and sit down and just kind of pick their brain. Who would it be? Who, who would you who would you start with there? Well, you know, I, I said in the show meeting Barry Sanders because um, um, I, I would love to just sit down and ask him about his field vision, how he was able to see so many things with the peripheral vision to make him what he was. But you know, the closer we got to the show and. Um, as you kept building it throughout the show, another player came to mind, and I would have to say Jack Lambert. Oh. First thing I want to ask Jack Lambert is, why are you so mean? <laughs> How are you able to strike such fear into people? I mean, this dude was just flat out mean from the time the whistle started to start a game. He was out there looking to take people out, man, and he didn't care. And if you touched one of his teammates, he was one of the first one to jump in and throw you off of him. Yeah. I mean, what, ha- what happened to you that made you so mean, dude, and so feared? You know, w- were you always like this as a high school player and a college player? Or is this something you just grew into as a professional player? Did Chuck Noll t- tick you off to the point where he just made you that nasty? But I, w- I would have to say Jack Lambert uh, is, 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 a, is a guy that I would really like to sit down with and just pick his brain. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll tell you, like, there's a lot for me. Um like 50. I'd like to talk to Vince Lombardi and just get a feel for like how, how like forward thinking he was like, what do you, I'd like to say to him, Hey, do me a favor. Look into your crystal ball. Tell me what you think football is going to look like in the two thousands or something like that. And what, I wonder what he would have said. I wonder if he would have been just set in his ways or he would have said, Hey, I think it's going to go this direction or it's going to go here or go there. Uh, you know, and, and how did you come about these philosophies? How are you able to keep these guys going like that? I, I think Lombardi would be a fun guy to talk to. There's some obvious ones like Jim Brown. I mean, just to just to talk about anything with this dude, it would be unreal. Oh um, my goodness. Would have been unreal. Yeah, sadly we uh, lost him. But yeah. let's see. Let's see. Gail Sayers, Mike Singletary, Joe Montana. Yeah. Um, um, Chuck Noll, Tom mm-hmm. Landry. Uh, Don Shula, man, I could put, I could easily put 50 people on that list. Yeah. Uh, but Vince Lombardi is, I would like to ask Vince, you ran that power sweep to five conference championships. Nobody could stop. Why was that power sweep so unstoppable? Yeah. Yeah. What you did could, you do differently than everybody else was trying to do there? Yeah. Nobody could stop that, that, that Green Bay power sweep back in the day. Right. Why? It was a, it was such a simple concept. Yeah, but no defensive coordinator could really shut it down. Why? Yeah, yeah. no, that's a, and then I'd like to. I, I would love to, even Joe Montana. 
Like, dude, what, how were you able to just be so cool in big spots? Oh, oh my you, you know, Super Bowl's on the line. You're in a huddle. You're talking about John Candy's eating popcorn in this. Like, how are you able to just shut that everything else off that's going on around you and be that guy? And he might not even. He might just say, "I'm just that's the way I am, man." Like, I don't get worked up about stuff. Or there might be some kind of philosophy there. I don't know. I, it's funny. I don't ever remember. Do you like any NFL films people asking him about? Like, I don't remember them saying, like, how are you able to be so calm in the midst of the no. craziness? No. So he'd be I, a guy I, I talk. You know, that'd be a fun guy like Ken Stabler, the snake. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the, the snake. He's he's just like one of those good old boys, but he just loves yeah. to have fun. And You're right. He would probably keep you in stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'd be loose. You'd be loose. You'd be laughing and loose with him. Yeah. We I get some good ones in the chat. I see. Um, Let's see. Junior Seau. Junior Seau. Oh, Marvin Carroll's got a good one. Lawrence Taylor. LT. Yeah, Eagles fan had that as well. That They're good ones. Yeah, Eagles fan also go back and talk to Reggie White, no doubt. Uh, that would be a good one to be able to go back in time and talk to. Um, God, there's so many of them. There are so many of them over the years. Um, I'm just thinking about some of those great teams you know, that we had um, and, and some of the guys who maybe either aren't around or you just don't hear much from them. I even, even more present day, I know he's retired for a few years, but Peyton Manning, I mean, what a football mind. Oh my goodness. And funny too. Funny guy. Very as funny. you get, as you got to see him become more visible in life after football uh, with all the shows that he's on and stuff and commercials. Yeah. He's actually a funny dude, you know, as, as astute as he was as a player, I think he's very colorful as a person. And you're right. He's another guy I would like to sit down with. He just like, – yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, he just strikes me as a guy who gets it. You know, you can yeah. just have fun yeah. with him. Yeah. I would say Jim McMahon also. That dude oh. was a character. That yeah. dude was an off-the-wall character, man. He yeah. wasn't a great quarterback, but he was a great leader, mm-hmm. you know. And with a team that he had around him, you didn't have to do much. But Jim McMahon was at the forefront of being colorful on a team. Used to drive Mike Ditka nuts with it, with some of his antics. Um, I would say Brett Favre. You know, we see the we see all the videos of Brett Favre. Who some of the stuff he would say on the field. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, he, he would ask somebody. He would ask. <laughs> what was the one question he asked somebody? Um, have Have you always been? What was it? Have you always been a left handed? Uh, yeah, it was almost like uh, Yogi Berra kind of stuff where you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Oh, oh, he's, hey, you have a left-handed football? You know, you, you know. Oh, my God. It, yeah. He, he, would, he would ask, ref, he asked the referee one time, hey, did you just fart on the field? He was like, what? What? Well, he, he knows <laughs> another one uh, still with us, but not coaching. Like Parcells. Parcells w- would be a fascinating one to, to really dig into. I, I don't know. Would you want to talk to Belichick? I don't know that he would give you anything. No. no. Yeah. I will say this, though. I've seen Belichick when he has sat down and like those one-on-ones, like those uh, NFL films. Yeah, when he's, when, he's, when he's relaxed and, and loose. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's because he's comfortable with the people he's around. But if I just, you know, out of, out of the clear blue, say, how could I talk to you? He probably wouldn't tell you anything, and you would have to force the conversation. Yeah. You know, so I, he's, not one, he's not one that I would really pursue. I'm thinking of some other ones. Um Let's see here. Um, I think sitting down with a Michael Irvin would be hilarious. Oh, okay. all the he, stories. He, yeah, yeah. He's had both good and bad. 
Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he went through you know drug problems for a while and still made himself a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Very animated, very colorful. I've interviewed Michael Irvin at Eagles camp several times. Very insightful. Um, he, he'd be another one to be on my list to talk to. I, I would say this as much as I, you know, am not a fan of anybody cowboy related. I, I think Jimmy Johnson philosophically would be interesting to talk to. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because he was a guy who I think got the most out of his players, whether it was at, you know, University of Miami or, uh, or, or Dallas, obviously. Um, but I think he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. You know, there's certain owners you'd also like that want to go back in, in time, maybe, and, and pick their brains a little. Leonard Toast might be kind of interesting. Dude, what happened? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. What were you thinking, man, when you ran this team? What, 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 I would I would I hate to say this, but I'd put Jerry Jones in that category. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think he'd be interesting to talk to philosophically. Because yeah. you know Jerry Jones loves to be in front of a camera. All you like, have to do is ask him a question, and he'd go for ten minutes. I'll give you an example of another guy. I, I don't know. I, I really wouldn't be that interest, interested in talking to, which sounds crazy. I, I'm not really dying to talk to Tom Brady. No, same here. I think he'd, too, he'd be too bland. Yeah, I think he'd be too bland, too calculated. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't loosen up. You know, that's what I mean. I think he would just kind of give you, yeah, you know, work hard and like, all right. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you know, have it the tuck rule again to take us inside. But, you know, you're right about Belichick. When if you ever get a chance to I'm sure you have seen it. But for folks who haven't that the uh, was it an America's game? I don't know what they call them, but the, the, the thing the NFL Network did with Saban and Belichick, where yeah. they're just sharing philosophies and their friendship over the years. It, that's it, it, that's a setting where Belichick was was at ease and he yeah. was just kind of, you know, opening up. I thought that was very, very good. Herman Edwards is a good one from J, uh, JM. Yeah, for sure. Herman Edwards, okay. Yeah, but they would – I think they're all good. They're, look, there's a lot of good choices, right, over the years. Jerry that Rice. Present day, Jerry Rice. Yep, yep. Walk me through that that work ethic, et cetera. Oh, yeah. my goodness. No, no that would be good. That would be good. All right. Well, let, let's dig in. Let's do a little greatest. You ready to do a little little greatest of yeah, the, the, the Washington football franchise, whatever the heck we're – I mean, we can call them Redskins because these guys were Redskins, right? Are we not even allowed to do that? All right. We're allowed to do that. Okay. So it's the Washington Redskins slash commander slash football team. All right. Um, all right. Who? I Go ahead. Who's your number one? I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a number one, okay. but one of them I had to put on the list, and it's a shame we lost him so young. Sean Taylor yeah. was the epitome of striking fear into opponents. Yep. This dude was a professional hitter, and when you look at him for a safety to be, the dude looked like a bodybuilder. Yep. But you talk about a dude that could hit. Oh my goodness, he would crush people's souls when he'd hit you. Yeah. You know. And he was such a phenomenal talent. He was like a Cam Chancellor. Ball the Chancellor hawk. Was a ball hawk. Yeah. Uh, didn't miss a tackle. Receivers were looking for him every time they came over the middle of the field. He would come up from the safety position, even you know down the sideline, and just matter of fact, he would blow people up in in Pro Bowl games. You know, in, mm-hmm. in, in formats where you were supposed to just take it easy a little bit. Uh uh-uh. uh You know, there's always this one video clip in the Pro Bowl where he, I think, it was a quarterback. Oh. He lays a quarterback out. And it's a shame. It's a shame he lost his life at such an early age, uh, with a home invasion. Somebody broke his home, and but man, I tell you what, Sean Taylor. There's no doubt in my mind he would have been a Hall of Famer when his career was said and done. Yeah, 
he was a lock. I, I put him in that same category as Jerome Brown. Like, there's yeah. no doubt had they, you know, survived that they would have been Hall of Famers. I agree with you. Uh, that's a good one. Look, I'll, I'll go. Daryl Green's career yes. is insane. This guy played corner for 20 years in the NFL. Just yeah. think about it. He's not a kicker. He's. I know Brady is an exception. Cornerback, man, where you're on an island where you have to have insane speed to last as long as he lasted is sick. 83 to 02, seven Pro Bowls, four-time All-Pro, 54 interceptions. I mean, spectacular career. This is this is the thing, you know, you have certain athletes who are freaks of nature. This guy was in his early 40s and was still one of the fastest players in the National Football League. In his early 40s, could cover with the best of them, great anticipator on the ball. Um, he had over 1,100 tackles in his career, also. For a good of a cover guy as he was, he had 1,159 tackles as a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, in an age when people started slowing down, this dude was still playing at a high level and walked away from the game after 20 years of service in the national football league that's insane yeah it's 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 i think it's one of the most remarkable feats that we've ever seen in the league honestly to play that position that long uh, you'll never see it again you will never see a guy last 20 years not only that but he was only five nine a buck 85 soaking wet right right not only not only play it still play it at a a super high level yes played a hall of fame level he was a hall of fame insanity insanity all right give me another one uh, I got to go Joe Theismann. Yep. Uh, he was with, with Washington from 74 to 85. Yep. Um, he hit 160 TD passes. Uh, Joe Theismann was a winner, a great leader of men, great quarterback, smart quarterback. It's a shame. Uh, I'll never forget that game when his career ended. Lawrence Taylor comes around, sacks him, and lands on his leg, and you see his leg snap. And at that time, not only did his leg snap, but as soon as it snaps, they kept they kept re-showing the replay over and over again, and you see where his sock turns red, like real quick, yep. where his legs bleed. That's how yep. bad the break was in his leg. Mm-hmm. And you see Lawrence Taylor get up and he's grabbing his helmet, he's pointing. Somebody come get him. Mm-hmm. Some get. I mean, yeah, his Taylor legs, reacts immediately with the yes. wave. Yep. Yes. Tell, you know, but but uh, Joe Theismann was a great quarterback for the Washington organization for over a decade. Um, what did he What did he have here? He won two Super Bowls. Threw 160 TD passes for him, over 25,000 yards. Um, I don't know if he would have been a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he was a very good quarterback for that organization. His story's crazy. So he 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 comes out of Notre Dame. He gets drafted, I believe, by the Dolphins. They wanted him to return punts and do all this other stuff. And he has a contract dispute. He goes to Canada. He has great success there. He comes back to the league. He ends up in Washington, and it took him a little while to get going. But once Gibbs got there, his career just took off. And yeah, if he would have played five more years, he might have been a Hall of Famer. There's, yep. there's no yep. doubt. Um, I, look, I'm going to give you an old school guy, but this dude was insane, Sammy Baugh. Oh, oh, Sammy yeah. Baugh. I mean, listen to this, Derek. Um, this guy not only played quarterback, he played defensive back, he played special teams. He had 187 passing touchdowns, yep. and he recorded 31 interceptions. He had 31 picks himself. That's right. He led the league one year in passing interceptions and special team returns. Yep. Great football player. Sling, slinging Sammy Ball. Oh. Um, no question about it. 
Uh, that you, you won't see that anymore. He was like the Otani of, of baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's a good cop. He played. He played everything you could play, and then some, and played it for a long time, and played well. Yes. Yep. Apparently, oh. he was a wild man too. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it looked just just insane, insane. So I, even though, like I said, I didn't see him. I know that it was a different day and age, but still, very, very interesting. The dude averaged what, what was it? Forty? What forty? That can't be right. I got to check. Here it's like forty-four yards of punt return. That's, yeah. Well, the other thing was. It really the, the league was run, 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 run. He came yeah. in and he's like, we're, uh, "We're throwing. I can throw. I'm going to get us down the field a lot faster than us just handing the ball off to a running back." So he was really an innovator uh, in terms of the forward pass in the league. So he was that great. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me another one. Oh, I have to go, John Riggins. Oh yeah, John Riggins was like a Brahma bull. John, not only with, with the Brahma bull, not only do they run you over, but they back up and finish the job. <laughs> And John Riggins was that type of running back. Yeah. Not not flashy, not fast, but he was like a Sherman tank on two legs. Mm-hmm. He, he was like John, he was like uh all stop before all stop down in Tampa. Yeah. Dude, you just cannot tackle that dude one on one, man. Mm-hmm. And no matter how low you try to get, he can get as low. He had over eleven thousand yards rushing in nine seasons. Jeez. I mean, think about that. Over eleven thousand yards rushing in nine seasons. And a lot of it was con after contact. After like he was contact. he wanted to inflict pain. Yeah, that's what he was. The dude had 2,900-plus carries with Washington, man. And 104 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, this dude was – I mean, he was so big, he could have played in the trenches he was that big. He was. He was huge. He, he tackle. No, he, he was. He was like a – like I don't know. He was a tank. Uh, that's a good one. I'll go Art Monk. Art Monk, uh, over 12,000 receiving yards, 65 touchdowns uh just the quintessential you know machine he was a perfect fit for that system uh guy was just a stud art monk just a great player all-time leader in the uh, for the team and receivers second in receiving touchdowns you know he got snubbed from the hall of fame six straight years before i, 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 I never understood that i don't either i don't either over twelve thousand yards uh receiving and he got snubbed six consecutive years the first year he got nominated for the Hall, the second five years, uh, he couldn't get past being a finalist. The, yeah. the only thing I could think of is he wasn't flashy. And, and that should never be held against you. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the prima donna type. He was just catch yeah. it, get up, give it to the ref, and let's go. And I don't know if that hurt him or not, but it shouldn't have hurt him if it did. But he was a great player. A great player. All right, what, what else? Who else do you have? Uh, Dexter Manley. Yes. What What a fascinating story he was. Um, the guy who continuously failed drug tests um, ended up doing time in jail after, you know, his career yep. failed in the drug test. And then you find out he was illiterate, couldn't yep. read or write. Yep. And, you know, he just, he said, all I knew how to do was to play football. Pushed and he through the up, system. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Dude had 97 and a half career stack uh, sacks, you know, uh, played with, he only played with Washington from 81 to 89, but man, was he dominant mm-hmm. in that defense. You know, in the defense, he was known as Secretary of Defense. Just a great, strong, natural athlete, great push, great burst, could run. Um, you know, it's a shame. Well, not a shame because, you know, when you look at his story on those, um, you know, those life after football, when you get to see him, you you look at how he's risen above that. He yeah. rose, above the, uh, rose above the drug problems, learned, went back to school, learned how to read, you know, and, and to write. 
Um, and then, of course, he had the brain. Uh, he had the brain surgery. He had a cyst on his brain. He had to have that surgery as well. He yeah. went through a lot in his he life. Had a tough life. Yeah, yeah, but was a phenomenal football player. That's a that's a good player. That's a good choice there. Um, I, you know, another I, another guy I'd, I give props to is Monty Coleman. The guy played oh, linebacker for them ooh. from '79 to '94. I mean, it's yeah. another guy with crazy longevity at, at a really hard position where you're getting hit virtually every single down to last that long. I mean, he was, he was a heck of a, a heck of a redskin at the time. He was and really a, a big body guy, a blew up play. I mean, just, just a consummate professional. Um, he was a big reason for their success when, uh, back in the day, when they were, when, when, when it was in the era of the hogs and all that stuff, Yeah, you know, uh, he, man, he could do it all. He, mm-hmm. he could do it all. And you're right. I think when you, I think he's one of those players Unless you mention his name, people go, "Oh yeah, I forgot about him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was that good. Go ahead. What, 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 what else? You got one more? Oh, I got. I, mean, I got three more. Uh, Russ Grimm, one of the best offensive linemen. He's one of the original hogs in that. He's offense. a hog. Yep. Um, man, you talk about a dominant offensive line. When you talk about the history of dominant offensive lines in National Football League, you have to remember the Hogs and Russ Grimm yep. was at the forefront of that. Um, he was named on the 1980s all 19 all 1980s team. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up being a Hall of Famer. Big dude, but mobile, agile, strong, consistent. Um, everything you wanted from an offensive lineman, he gave it to you. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's good. I'll, I'll give another one who probably doesn't have the name recognition. Chris Hanberger was a linebacker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was really good, man. Uh, how about this? Uh, four, 14 seasons, nine Pro Bowls, six All Pro, 1972 NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Jeez. He was on that team that lost to Miami, the perfect Miami team. But, you know, great player in, in his own right. Really good player. I'll throw Sonny Jurgensen in there, who deserves a lot of love. Uh, yeah. He came over from the Eagles, who yep. had a, a monster career. Uh, you want to throw one more in? I'll give you Charlie Taylor. He played yes. 13 seasons uh, with Washington. His first two years in the league, he was a running back. Yeah. And then they converted him to wide receiver, and he still ended up with over 9,000 receiving yards and 79 touchdowns. He was a third overall pick in the 1964 draft to play running back, and he was he, run, he won rookie of the year as a running back. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, they converted him to a wide receiver. Um, in 1966 and 67, by the way, his first year as a receiver – but both of those years, he led the NFL in receiving yards. Wow! After after, after converting, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I put and one other guy would put on that list. He doesn't get a lot of accolades. Is the kicker Mark Mosley? He had a great career when once he went there. Yeah. He was the he was the last of the straight on kickers. If you if you remember that. Yep. All of a sudden, the uh, the Gogolat brother the Gogolat brothers uh, made the soccer style kicking famous. He was the last of the straight on kickers. You know, he played 16 years in the National Football League, 14 with Washington. He set out two years. Yeah. Um, he set out two years, and he was installing septic tanks and coaching high school football for two years. Mm-hmm. And then Washington calls him, and, and, and the rest is history. But he was one of the greatest kickers, uh, if not the greatest kicker in Washington history, for longevity yeah. and accuracy. Can you imagine, like, and, and, he, and he returns to be that guy. It's, it is unbelievable. Um if I was going to throw one more, I'll give a little love to to one of our guys that we've had on the show. How about Brian Mitchell? Absolutely. 
you know, he, he, for before he went to the Eagles and then he closed his career with the Giants. I mean, that guy converted quarterback in college, you know, turns himself into one of the all time punt kick return men. And he played, you know, kick offs, punts. Yeah. You know, he was the quintessential special team guy. You can make a hard case that that guy should be in the Hall of Fame. I was just about to say, I can't believe after all these years, he's still not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't know what else he has to do, to do when you, uh, when you look at, uh, what he gave to the game of football and his volume volume of overall return yards, it's up there with the best of the best. It is. His numbers are crazy. This is – I think it's a disrespect to the special teamers. I do. Like, I I, I, I'll put it to you this way. Like, he should be in a guy like Matthew Slater who's still playing with the with the oh, Patriots. That guy should be in. It, it's a fa- – It's there's three phases of the game, and then that one should count. I'm not saying maybe it counts as much as being a quarterback. I'm not saying that. But the, the great ones who stand out there who did it for a really long time, great point, great point uh, for, for Dynasty 215. Devin Hester from the Bears should get yep. love for, yep. for his great return ability. No, so, no question. Yeah. But I don't think he ever will. I honestly don't. Yeah, I, I just think they're they're up against that, you know, whatever. Whatever it was for – you know, for safeties for a while, they just get these, these, I don't know, thoughts in their heads. All right. So we're gonna come back. So, uh, skip Bayless, uh, Derek, uh, on hiatus. And yeah. we'll yeah. discuss this situation a little bit. We have birthdays, we have movies, a bunch of other stuff that we're going to get to before we close it out. So you don't go anywhere. We're going to finish strong here. Final segment of the show. He's Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis. We're sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. All right. Let's talk about razor technology and particular, Managed IT services because Razor Technologies comprehensive managed service provider solution delivers constant monitoring, on-demand assistance, and rapid issue resolution. Through data vetted and insight-driven implementation, they strengthen your existing IT resources with both human power and expertise that reduces security risks and downtime while enhancing organizational efficiency and productivity. They are a strategic resource for adaptive and fast-growing companies that need help selecting, implementing, and managing their IT services. Their goal is always bigger than one project, one problem, or one upgrade. It's improving the overall functioning of their partners and helping them achieve their business objectives through ongoing synergistic relationships. Give your IT team the freedom to refocus by augmenting their reach with Razor Technology. Contact Razor today to learn how your managed services can protect and enhance your business by calling 866-797-3282 or visit them online at Razor-Tech.com. That's Razor-Tech.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. 
sure our prayers were answered. But now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Final segment of the program. D Gun, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Friday. All right, so Derek, um, undisputed. That is the Fox uh, debate slash argument uh, show, uh, much like First Take on ESPN. Yep. That uh, had uh, as one of the hosts Skip Bayless. The other one was Shannon Sharp. Shannon decided he had enough of the fun and games, and he rolled. Uh, I think right after the NBA finals were over, something like that. So apparently they've been auditioning or at least, uh, you know, spitballing, contemplating, contemplating, you know, uh, hosts to work with Skip since that went down for, you know, the last however many weeks it's been, I don't know, three weeks, whatever. Uh, and they don't seem to be coming to any kind of consensus. So they are they are going to go on a hiatus until August 28th. They're shutting it down, which is, look, I, I will tell you this in any line of business, but especially TV or radio. You don't want to be away that long. Uh, it is not good for you to be sort of forgotten about by the audience. They form other habits during that time when they would normally watch the show. I'm not saying, you know, you, that they're dead and buried by doing it by any stretch, but I'm just telling you the suits don't like it and rightfully so. And it can be a real mistake. Um, but I guess they want to get it right. So what do you think about what's going on there? Hey, first of all, I wish I had a two month paid vacation. Amen. I don't think that any good. I think um, I think it has to be someone who is close to Shannon Sharp in terms of standing up to Skip. Um, and with that said, I think a guy like an Emmanuel Acho would be great for a role like that. Um, he has really, um, you know, expanded his name in terms of being an Oprah Winfrey show, writing a book about race relations. Uh, his platform, his show that he has now. 
Uh, he can talk about any topic well-versed, very articulate, very insightful. But I don't know if he has a big enough name draw uh, to, to, to replace a Shannon Sharp. But I would say if you're looking for somebody just to be combative, combative stand your ground, have valid points on any given topic, Emmanuel Acha will be a great one to have. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, no, I, I look, I think it's a, a name and obviously he's in that, that family, right? He's, he's in the Fox family there. The, the one that I thought of uh, was Jalen Rose, who is okay. now free of uh, ESPN. Now I, I don't know exactly because they let him go. I think that nullifies his uh, non-compete, which is generally 90 days. Right. I don't know for sure, uh, Derek, how that, what it is and whatever buyouts and all that stuff. But I think he's a guy who would stand up to skip. Uh, he's a guy who's done enough of this kind of thing in his career um, that I think he'd be a guy they would look at. I think he would be a consideration. I would too. Um, doesn't pull punches, not afraid to speak his mind. Um, you know, we're so, we're so used to hearing him talk basketball. I don't know how well-versed he is on other topics. Right. But in terms of just being someone that could hold his own, um, in in terms of just debating, I think he'd be a good one. Now here here's the one that's interesting, and I think it's basically a smokescreen. But you know, last week Stephen A. Smith came out on his his platform, you know, talking about the people that were let go at ESPN, all his colleagues and friends, and, how, and what a shame it is. And then he 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 also adds, "Who knows? I could be the next one," you know. And people caught caught that and started, you know, that that started blowing. Can you imagine if Stephen A. went back with Skip Bayless on that platform and undisputed? Oh, I, Could you imagine that? Yeah, no, I mean I, that would be a ratings coup for Fox. I just can't figure out in any way, shape, or form how ESPN would ever let that happen. You know, no, I don't either. Like, if I don't I, think he's going anywhere. Let me just say that. I but I agree either. with you. I think that would be that's the if you really want to reignite this thing, that's how you do it. Yeah, now I don't know how much of a no compete clause um, Stephen A would have. I would imagine, you know, you said ninety days. I know I've had I've had contracts where it's been sixty days. You know, no compete clause in them, uh, stuff like that. But I would imagine for Stephen A, they put clamps on him real quick and try to prolong him making the transition. And I don't think you know, undisputed as as much as they're going to be off the air for two months, basically. I don't think they want to be uh, off the air that much longer. Yeah. Um, Twiz has a great one. I think Max Kellerman would be a good one. He would want to get a little revenge, uh, you know, and do well against yeah. Stephen A. Uh, oh, yeah. Stephen A ran him out of there, um, yeah. for sure. I think he'd be an interesting one. Um, I'm seeing a lot of love for, for Joy Taylor, yeah. Uh, who is the sister of um, Jason Taylor, who, yeah. does, who was uh, very prominent on Fox or FS1. Uh, so that could be an option. Uh, for sure. Um, I, you know, they want to stay in house. I don't know. I mean, from what we're hearing in the story I read, Skip Bayless has a lot of say, uh, content wise, uh, in every manner on the show. So I guess he had, obviously they, they, they wouldn't do this without consulting him. And maybe he has some kind of final say, I don't know. Boy, he has a lot of power. I mean, they pay him a ton and, and he, he calls, right. Right. I, I don't, Derek, I will tell you this in all honesty. I've never gotten it. I have never gotten it with him. Same here. I don't know why. Looks so fake and so rehearsed and so. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this just to piss people off, even though everybody knows I don't even believe it. I I, I just, I, it's not my cup of tea, man. 
No, I agree with you. Um, I think he says, I think he says things just to generate a conversation or an argument. I don't know if he fully believes everything he says, but that's his MO. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he has been given that much clout, that much power just blows me away uh, yeah. in today's television forum. You know, one of the names that initially came out when, when it was announced that Shannon was stepping down was Shady McCoy. Right. But I don't know if Shady, I don't know if Shady can handle that role. Shady loves to argue. I'll give you that. He, he will argue football topics with you all day. But I don't know how well versed Shady is in other arenas. I really well, don't. Here, here's the thing. And by the way, Joy Taylor was on, and thank you, Twiz, was on with Sills earlier this week. So if you want to check that out, go to jacobsports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube channel. So Dan had her on uh, earlier this week. Um, here's the thing. As much as I don't like him, when you get into that format, you you better be prepared. Like, you, you better – you know, yeah. come with some facts and not just, this is what I, well, this is what I think. If you do that in that kind of debate format, you're dead. So you, you and you better be, you better really study and be well-rounded because you're going to have to talk about everything. Uh, and again, I'm not saying Shady can't, right. but I, I've only seen him on football. I don't know how, how he would be in a basketball or baseball format debate college football i, I don't well, know i do know shady knows his basketball because we would stand there a bunch of us in the locker room and debate nba for a long time when he was here yep. so i do know he, he's he's an avid basketball follower okay um and and i think he's really grown as a panelist on the show with emmanuel Lacho and joy taylor and stuff but i don't know i think if they were going to make shady when that rumor came out if they were going to make shady the new host they would have done it already yeah yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know what? You're right about that. Why would you waste, you wouldn't go through this whole thing where you're sitting out a month and a half, you know, exactly. I agree with you. I think that's, I think that's dead on. Hey, just a little Sixers note. There's a lot of noise uh, about the Sixers potentially being involved in a Zach Levine trade. You know, maybe mm. it's a multiple team deal where that's where Harden might get off, you know, offload it, et cetera. But just keep that in mind over the weekend. There's a lot of Zach Levine buzz. Um, okay. all right, you want to do some birthdays? Let's roll, let's do it, man. All right, uh, Ringo Starr, 83 today, the drummer for the Beatles. He is 83. He and he and Paul are the two uh surviving members, uh, from the from the Beatles. You have Jordan Spieth, the golfer, the great golfer, is 30 years old today. Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, is 57 years old today. The great Satchel Page. Uh, born in 1906, although there's a lot of debates about what year he was born because he didn't like to tell his age, but he was born in 1906, the great pitcher. It's a shame he only got to pitch five years in the major. He uh, he still holds a record for the uh, oldest player ever to make a debut in the majors at 42 years of age. Jeez. When he finally retired, he was 59 years old from playing baseball. Wow, that's amazing. 59 years old, are you kidding me? Incredible, incredible. Uh, Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction and a, and a lot of other good bands is 56 years old guitarist. Uh, the actor Billy Campbell is 64 today. Yep. Actor uh, Hamish Linklater is 47 years old today. Actor Shelley Duvall is 74 today. Chase Claypool, who we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, yeah, big year for him. There's a lot of people, he's 25, a lot of people question his focus his work ethic, how much he wants it. So big year for him. Uh, Michelle Kwan, the great figure skater from yep. back in the day, 43 years old today. Ralph Sampson, Virginia, seven footer. 
and had a career in the NBA, but he was a great college player. Uh, he is 63 today, man. That's crazy. Alan Payne, the actor, 55 now. I can't believe he's 55. Um, Georgia Fox, the actress, also 55 today. From Do- ER. From yeah. ER. Yeah, ER and C- one of the CSIs. I think Vegas, CSI Vegas. Uh, Doc Severinsen, who was the band leader for Johnny Carson. He's 96 today. Still, Still with him. God bless him. Awesome. Amy Carlson, the actress. Uh, Blue Bloods, a lot of other stuff is 55. The great uh, WNBA and, col- and college basketball player as well. Lisa Leslie is yep. 51. Uh, what else do you have, Gunnar? Uh, Joe Spano uh, from Hill Street Blues and NCIS is 77. Yep. Uh, you have Tracy Reiner, who was in When Harry Met Sally, Apollo 13. She is the daughter of Penny Marshall and uh, Penny Marshall's former husband, uh, Rob Reiner. Rob, I think, adopted her. Yeah. Yeah, he adopted her. her. Yep. 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 He's Very 59. cool. Yep. Uh, Dylan Sprayberry, he he was the young Clark Kent in the movie Man of Steel. Okay. He's uh, 35 today. Yep. Uh, Hannah Alstrom Hannah from the uh, Kingsman's movies is 42 today. Uh, Ross Mallinger, who was a former child actor who played in the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Sudden death, kindergarten cop, oh, who's wow. the boss? All these he's 39 today. Jeez. Uh, and Troy Gandy. Now, did you ever watch the barbershop movies with Ice Ice Cube? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know the white dude that was the barber? Uh, he played Isaac. Oh, yes, he black That's hair. Cool. Yes, yeah. he's yeah. he's Jane Fonda's son. Yes, that guy. Yes, he turned 50, 50 today. Oh my god. And here's one that'll take you back. Do you remember the name Jessica Hahn? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. No. We don't need to get into that story. Yes. Yes. But she's 64 today. Man. You know, a, a fun, a funny uh, Jessica Hahn, she she was in the same high school class as Brian Baldinger. They went serious? to high school, I, I swear to you, in, in Long Island. They went to the same, they were, they graduated the same high school class, same year. What? Baldy and Jessica. I'm not kidding. We got to have Baldy some stories about it. And, and the other, the other one from that class. Do you remember the guy who played Salami on The White Shadow? Yes. All three of them were in the same high school class. No kid. I swear to God, I am not kidding you. Look at look at Baldy rubbing shoulders with royalty. Yes. Um, yes. We have a few more. We got Pat Hitchcock, who's the daughter of the great Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. and she played in a number of uh, she played a number of his movies. She had small roles. Yeah. She was born on this day in 1928. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Robin Waite, who played in the HBO series Deadwood and uh, the CBS series Cold uh, Cold Case yep. 54. Uh, Ezra Charles, the great uh, former boxer, heavyweight champion, yep. was born on this day in 1921. The great boxing trainer, Emmanuel Stewart, yeah. he trained 41 world champions. He is an all-timer. He Unbelievable. Is an all-timer. Yep. You, these uh, guys are you guys are bad in the chat. You're just bad. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna get involved. <laughs> um, I'm not going there. Uh, Joe Sackick, former Joe NHL. Sackick. Yep. Yeah, excellent, excellent hockey player. Yep. 54 yep. today. Will yep. Lutz. Uh, Saints kicker is 29. And remember this name? I didn't even know he was out of football because we loved the name so much. And it was, he had so much. Sua Cravens. Oh, God. Sua Cravens. He was with Washington. The yeah. same Washington. Yeah. Okay. He's I, already I out of football. I forgot he's only, about him. He's yeah. only 28. Wow. Okay. Uh, movies. Let's let the, we were up against it, but that's okay because there's not a ton. Uh, 2006 Pirates of the Caribbean, one of the oh. other remakes. Lethal Weapon 2. Came out in 89. Uh, First Sight, 1995. Spider-Man Homecoming, 2017. Scary Movie, 2000. 
2000, but I'm a cheerleader. That's all I got for the movies. You got any, uh, you got uh, any uh, movies? Going 2017, Insidious 5. Uh, Insidious 5 comes out today, as a matter of fact. Comes out today. Yep, that yep. comes out today. All right. I uh, want to thank Xander Krause, producer of the program. Great job out of Xander. Thanks to all of you in the chat section. You guys are the best. Thanks to everybody streaming, listening. Tell a friend. Smash the like button, please. We do appreciate it. Uh, don't go anywhere because you have the na- the uh, National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming up next. And, uh, and Derek and I are back. Same bat time, same bat channel on Monday. All right, uh, Derek and everybody have a great weekend. We're looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Take Hard care. Time. We are Sports Take. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.